You're listening to episode 255 of the Comics Pals. We are a group of friends and comic book fans who I forgot the fucking intro for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm gonna explain why. I thought I'm gonna explain this was a why. new thing. I'm going to explain why. It's so fucking crowded in here. That's why. That's number one. Number two, we were doing something before the show started that was so funny to me that I just, I, I just, it, it just took over my mind. I lost like, it. It's like the old days when uh, before we would start, Pete would uh, kind of do the Super Smash Brothers narrator voice, and it <laughs> yeah. would ruin the flow of the show. Right away. I forgot that about is true. That. But for the sake of posterity, live, I'm going to redo the intro. I have okay. To. Okay, wait, hold on. I'll give you a countdown. Three, two, <laughs> one. <laughs> You're listening to episode 255 of the Comic Spouse, where a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. So I know this is usually when we start the show and kind of get into things, but yeah. I was wondering if we could take this opportunity to, you know, if anyone needs a refreshment of some kind. Now's a good time, I think, to get up and go get it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Ooh, actually, I could refill my coffee, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason <laughs> the asshole I needed. What's up? What's up? What's up? I said the asshole I needed walked away because I figured since you weren't here last week and last this past week was huge in the news of video games you can go on a 10 minute tirade about spider-man video game news while the rest of us got up and did something else i mean i i, I needed a drink in my gutters or something yeah is that a euphemism yeah oh. uh, if it is i don't want to know what it is <laughs> a colonoscopy <laughs> that's intense so yeah good pete give us 10 minutes on spider-man please don't Wait, what are you? This is it's Sean's soapbox, not Pete's soapbox. All right, you tell me I miss a show and I'm going to come back and monopolize the first ten minutes of the podcast. What am I? Oh, you? What, what? You never listen to the fucking show? <laughs> <laughs> Solid burn. Oh, Spider Man Two looks dope. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, we have a full house today. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, everybody decided to show up. So that means we're going to have a banger of an episode. We've got a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, Marvel Unlimited got uh, an infinite boost, and they got a lot of new comics coming out. Uh, the, the, the wars for the fans of Webtoons have officially begun between <laughs> the big two. This is 2005? Uh, yes. I'm 15 again. I mean, uh, think about it. The dream podcast came back, right? Like web comics had to have their day at some point. Yeah, yeah. The there's an update to the Joe Bennett situation from last week. Uh, Shang Chi is it turns out the most important movie of the entire year, or rather of the pandemic era. And uh, DC's got some big plans for uh, the Baxter. For the uh, for his birthday, the Batster. Are we are we calling him the Batster now? Yes. Yeah, alongside the jokester. <laughs> That's right. It's yeah, our sure. nemesis. Well, I, I watched the trailer for Injustice, and Joker called Batman Batsy, so I thought we were expanding the you know the nicknames. I, isn't that where the Fantastic Four live? The Batster building. Mm. Nice try, son of a bitch. <laughs> of course, Kale gets busted up by that. <laughs> <laughs> 
before we dive into all those things, I do want to let you guys know how you can support the show. Leave us a follow, a rating, and a review wherever it is that you're listening to us. If that happens to be YouTube, subscribe for free, like the video, share it with your friends, drop a comment. All those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Uh, I want to remind you guys that we have a Discord I really think you'll have a blast if you come hang out with us. I do actually want to introduce someone with a particular title because I think it's I think it's you know really relevant to who they are. Uh, Marco, I, I figured out who you are in this podcast space. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Marco is the Jar Jar Binks Damn. of this podcast. Wow! Fuck! Wow! Now everyone right? shut everyone shut up for a second. John, go on. Expound. Sure. Yeah. Make your case. Of course. Mm-hmm. So Marco was created in a lab, which we all <laughs> understand because he's a robot, right? Sure. Obviously. Yeah. In order to appeal to children. Look at the face, the glasses, the you know, all the all the things, the hair. But upon release, as it turns out, everyone hated him. <laughs> oh. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. All right. Hmm. Hmm. And you know what? Since Marco was created in the lab, we've like descended into chaos as a society, not unlike the Star Wars universe when Jar Jar became like a step in senator or whatever. The true villain, the true villain of the Galactic Empire. Yeah. And I I do feel like if any one of us was going to just like accidentally collapse an entire democracy um by trusting some scary bureaucrats it would be marco easily that's a good point right yeah, he'd he'd easily. be like he'd be like well now's the time to replace the u.s dollar with bitcoin and then <laughs> but if, if it were really me to be dogecoin that's right great cool but here's also the thing that you guys are forgetting and i have to say it's the thing that leads me to believe you know toward the more dark side Marco, just like Jar Jar Binks, is the one who, unfortunately, would probably defend Joe Bennett. Yeah, just Misa didn't forget anything, dude. (laughs) 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 Well, that is true. That is a good point. I can't argue. So, as it turns out, Marco, you are the Jar Jar Binks of this show. How do you feel? Um. Well, I've gone to school since then. I've, uh, you know, we all went out to college. We've, we've grown. I've, I've gone past the Misa, the Wieses. I've, um, you know, I, I think, I think now reflecting back on it, it's all a like, a, a real collective progress and momentum. Sean, you bringing this up is very frustrating because there's one thing that the rest of us know is that you were supposed to restore balance to the force, not destroy it by telling us that Marco's Jar Jar. Well, for me, that is balance because you see what what a lot of people misunderstand about balance with the force. It doesn't refer to equality between the light and the dark side. It, 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 It doesn't mean that at all. It means an end to chaos. And Jar Jar Binks is a chaotic person within <clears throat> Star Wars. And Marco is chaotic within his own life. We won't get into that. But he's also chaotic on this podcast. That's he brings fans. the darkness. I got to say, there was a minute there where I really thought Sean was winding up to say, well, from my perspective, the Jedi are evil. <laughs> <laughs> Never that. 
you know it's funny like the joker the jokester really is kind of the jar jar banks of comics because same thing just chaos yeah does jar jar banks think crime is funny though marco <laughs> personally hilarious That's a good question. i'm tired of pretending that it's not <laughs> misa love to rob a bank <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get into this, but <laughs> write write in at the comics piles at gmail.com or however you want to connect with us. If you liked Jar Jar Bates when Phantom Menace came out. Like so as, a to, as a child. Did <laughs> as a child. As a like, child, as a child, do you it, mm, still, huh? Nope. Still still kicking that one around. Yeah. You saw didn't know what you were gonna say, did I you? I didn't know what I was gonna say. <laughs> Especially preempted with do you as a child. <laughs> we've 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 got other things to promote uh, i do want to make sure that you guys are tuning in for our reviews every wednesday we're reviewing image books and every thursday we're reviewing marvel and dc stuff this week's wednesday reviews are going to be time before time number five and primordial number one that's the new uh chef lemire yes sir yep. yes, Jeff lemire. Lemire. Yeah. goodness Andrea Sorrentino. Yeah, Dave Stewart on colors. Team. That's the uh, that's the Hawkeye. Not the Haw- uh Yeah, no, the Haw- Hawkeye team, right? Didn't they work no. on a Hawkeye run? No, Green Arrow. They were on Green Arrow. That together. is true. They that was the new fifty-two no, Green Arrow. Right? Uh, Lemire's Hawkeye was Paolo Rivera. Oh, okay. And I think someone else. Okay. Uh, because his his run, they did a um. A, a watercolor thing and then a, yeah. uh, a regular thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. cool. Uh, so yeah, check those check those out. Uh, we're still reviewing uh, What If. We watched What If. That's that's the show's been good. You know, come come listen to our thoughts about zombies and evil Doctor Stranges and all the rest of it. Uh, check that out every all in, Thursday. All in Uwu speak. Nah, dude, that was rough. That was rough. I was so glad oh. to have Pete back. Just to, you know, Pete doesn't put up with shit like that. Bring a little decorum back to the show, Marco. Balance, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> we were that. brothers, Marco, brothers! <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, at the end of the month, the last Tuesday of it, in fact, we will be putting out our next book club. This month, we are talking about Rick Remender, Rick Remender's Low. Uh, oh, yeah. That is one of my favorite comics of all time by far. One of my favorite stories ever. And um, we just we did we did the book club. It was a, an honor and a pleasure to be able to do it. Um, and I can't wait for you guys to be able to check it out. It's not a long story. It's uh, twenty six issues, I believe. Yeah. So not hard to really dive into. Uh, Greg Tacchini's art is absolutely incredible. Uh, I, I really, really, I can't recommend low enough. Um, I, I, I would vouch for it 100%. Like, just buy this book uh, and come listen to us talk about it. That's a pretty high bar. Yeah. I would uh, I would definitely say, like, start reading it now. Like, you'll absolutely finish it before the book club. Um, I read it in a weekend because I, like, couldn't put it down. Yeah, it's it's tremendous. Uh, and then also real quick bump for uh, Journey into Quistery. That's Tyler Olson's crafted game that uh, we get to play every 
month, once a month on Sunday, the last Sunday of the month, typically. Uh, we'll keep you guys updated. Tyler's getting married, so there's, you know, schedule stuff, but uh, it's a lot of fun. We've got two episodes out so far. Those are on YouTube if you want to catch them. I don't think they're on VOD anymore on Twitch. The second one might still be there. I think we only have like two weeks saved right now, but it's on YouTube. We'd rather you go watch it on YouTube anyway. Yeah, and when we stream, you'll know about it. It'll be up at twitch.tv slash thecomicspals, so you can check that out. Go give us a follow so you know when we go live. Exactly. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about today, as I mentioned, but uh, for for us recording today, uh, it's actually 9-11. It's the 20th anniversary, in fact. Anniversary is a weird word to use in this case, but it's the... 20th anniversary of mm-hmm. that day uh, from 2001. Um, now, I don't want to bring the show down, but to me, I don't feel like we can let this pass without talking about it on some level. And so uh, I'm not going to you know, get into a whole thing, but I do want to share uh, real quick what that day was like for me uh, and how it has affected me. On 9-11, like everyone else here, I went to school. I live in New York, if you're not aware. And so, uh, you know, I was going through my day like normal. I remember, uh, I think it was, I want to say it was during lunch. Uh, someone came and told us, you know, what was going on and that our parents would be coming for us soon. Uh, they didn't tell us what was going on and say, oh, there's a terrorist attack. They just said, like, you know, your parents are going to come pick you up, whatever. Um, so my aunt is a sheriff in New York City. And she was a first responder that day. Um, She arrived after the actual buildings had fallen, but, you know, was was there within, you know, within hours of the actual uh, collapse. And I didn't see her that day. Um, And I don't even I don't even remember when I was able to see her again, but um, I remember thinking that she she would die. Um, and my aunt is my favorite person you know in the world, so I was devastated by that. And I sat by the news, I sat by the TV watching the news uh, the whole rest of the day when I got home, you know, thinking like, you know, is my aunt dead? Uh, waiting for announcements about things like that uh, and just marveling horrifically at the devastation, something that we, especially kids at the time, had never seen before. Uh, We have gotten used to horrific images from other places in the world, of course. um, But at that time, if you were a kid, that was not something you were really exposed to. I'd never seen that type of destruction. Um, and I was so happy when we got the phone call from her that she was okay. Um, that made me feel hopeful, like, okay, so she's okay. This is okay. Um, I got lucky that day that she survived so many people who live in New York. And of course, across the whole country can't say the same. They lost loved ones. We're never able to find them, identify their bodies, things of that nature, just due to what that was. 
And obviously it changed the course of American history and world history without question. Um, it affected me in a way where, you know, anytime something is happening in the world or in the country, you think, oh man, you know, something going to happen here in New York. Anytime I get on a plane, I'm thinking about it. Um, and it's, you know, it sucks and it's sad. And um, today I, beyond this show, will spend a lot of it thinking about those people that lost people and, you know, what this day means for them. And if anybody wants to share their feelings, please do. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think um, similar, I guess, to you, Sean, um, my, my dad worked in New York um, and was uh, worked for the transit system for years. So he was in, in New York City for, <clears throat> I think, two days after 9-11 um, before he came home. And I remember having that same that same fear. Um, and, you know, I know uh, I have friends who lost a parent um, on that day. And, yeah, it's, it's hard because I, I guess every uh, – on the anniversary, like, I am kind of reminded of those feelings. And to think of how much negativity and, and fear it brings up for me and I didn't lose anything, I didn't lose anybody um, is, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely uh, – I guess, like, to your point, um, we've seen a lot of other scary and terrible things uh, in our short time on this planet, but um, that's definitely one that still sticks with me. Like, I can remember the morning and the beat. Like, I think of how I was watching this anime um, called Flint the Time Detective that I'm pretty sure I only remember because I was watching it on 9-11, and I think about it every year. Um, and I think about being in the middle of that episode and then like my mom coming and turning the channel to put on the news. <clears throat> um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely something that, uh, I think will always stick with, with people of our generation, um, and older, of course. Um, and it is one of those things I think, especially on the 20th anniversary to see a generation of, of kids who are now adults that don't remember it. Um, yeah, that really gives you some perspective i guess on the the passage of time and how something that feels like you know this incredible monumentous event in our lives is something that you know is is um is already ancient history to them <laughs> yeah i mean it was a real watershed moment in the sense that i mean the world totally changed after that day um and there's not a lot of days in in the last century or whatever that you can mark in that kind of way, like an, an individual day that completely changes everything. Um, I mean, people that are older than we are people who are in their forties and fifties and sixties. I mean, I think that day like that fundamentally changed their brains in, in a way that it's just, it, 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 it's, it's crazy. It really, like we talk about a post nine 11 world, but really are living in it in a, in a myriad of ways. Um, it's just that visual, that visual of the two towers being hit um, over and over, just bombarded in, in the imagery of that for, for years. Um, I think the thing that's truly special, though, that came out of that was the immediate aftermath. Um, you know, we talk about how divided everything is these days. That was a time when everything felt truly unified, at least in, in this part of the world. Um, I really felt like there was a camaraderie between everyone everyone was a neighbor with one another um 
and uh i you know i kind of miss that hmm. yeah uh it's it's a terrible it's a terrible thing that happened uh, i think there's you know a lot that we've learned and and the world has obviously changed and uh, for you guys listening it's it's passed already but if you do want to share your thoughts or feelings about how it affected you you can do that if you don't want us to talk about it on the show uh say that and uh we won't you know if you just want to share it with us personally um that's perfectly acceptable yeah absolutely. Uh, you know we're sharing how we feel with you and, and you know it's it's reciprocal on this podcast so um if you want to do that feel free we are going to move forward and i have a little bit of a fun way to do that so i thought it would be fun if we talked about the box office numbers of some of the movies that are a part of the Infinity Saga, with Shang-Chi's big success, uh, obviously, um, you know these movies are doing tremendous, no, tremendous business still, even during a pandemic, and the Infinity Saga. So everything from Iron Man to Far From Home made a total of $22.6 billion. So the game is, I'm going to ask you now, what movie do you think grossed the least mm. of all of those? Uh, it's tricky. Does that, boys, does that count for like inflation or whatever? Like, 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 cause you would assume Black Widow is the lowest, right? Well, Black Widow's not in it. It's, it's oh, um, oh, okay. From home is yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. No, 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 Pete, go ahead and guess Black Widow. <laughs> Sorry, I uh... and uh, I don't I don't know yeah. about inflation or whatever. Okay, okay, uh, I'm going to guess uh, the Incredible Hulk. That's probably a good guess. I'm I'm okay. gonna say the original Thor because my thought process is Phase One. These movies are popular, but they're not what they are now. Thor is the character that I feel like people are probably the most like, how the fuck is that going to be any good or make any sense in a pre-MCU, you know, pre-Avengers world, right? In the early days. Yeah. So I'm going to guess that because I feel like Hulk was the most famous character of any of them. That's a good point. Before the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Iron Man was obviously a big hit. And I remember Cap being fairly popular. Okay. So we'll say Thor. I'm going to say it's between Ant-Man and Iron Man 3, and I think I'm going to lean to Ant-Man only because while it was a popular character, I don't think it was a standout movie, and people probably recognize that, and it's not one that people might necessarily go back to and be like, oh, yeah, like sure, this was fun. I'm going to go enjoy watching Ant-Man over something more popular. Mm. So... I think the longevity of that movie in particular doesn't stand compared to something like the first Thor or Captain America or Iron Man. You sure you don't want to guess Iron Man 3? Mm, nah, pretty sure. You sure? Yeah, Kel can. No, Iron Man. People were hot about Iron Man 3 when it came out. That movie did Absolutely. really well. I was going to say, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the first one that made a billion dollars, right? Like, wasn't that one of the first really big earners? That movie we're did gonna, better We're going to get uh, into that. Okay. Yeah. I've got a couple of questions on deck. What's your guess, Kill? I was going to say Ant-Man also. <laughs> but. I think that is a good guess. The least. Because time is such a factor here, too. Right. Definitely. Well, it is an endgame, yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> 
All right, come on, Kale. We got other questions. Let's go. Uh, come on, Grandpa. All right. For the sake of it, just to en- entertain myself, I'm going to throw a curveball here, and I'm going to say Captain Marvel. Oh, okay. okay. That's fun. That's that's different. That's a guess. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so the correct answer is actually the Incredible Hulk. Boom! Oh, baby. Boom! Nice. <laughs> how is that possible? That's so weird. Yeah. I- I'll tell you how. Ang Lee's Hulk. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's got to be it. Yeah, that movie is yep. so fucking dog shit. The whole came out hot and got in one. <laughs> so yep. Iron Man made five hundred eighty-five uh, million, and then Hulk came out and made two hundred sixty-four million. So Yikes. significant. Wow. Drop. Yeah. Wait, that's over over from now until Far From Home, or that's just like the opening? Just what it made oh. like at the box office. Yeah, and during the run. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. So. Now, which movie made the most money? Uh, Endgame. Okay. Infinity War. Yeah, it's one of the two. Shit. I think it's Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) That was a a joke. It's got to be one of those two. I I think it's it's Endgame. I think it's Infinity War. No one's going to say Avengers 1? No, it wasn't Avengers. It used to be Avengers 1, but yeah. Okay. Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> it is Endgame. Oh, two two. Yep, yep, on the board, you're baby. You're killing it. Uh, now the question that you guys kind of teased: What was the first Marvel movie to make a billion dollars? Uh, Avengers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll say Avengers. Yeah. Was it not? And maybe it could be Infinity War. No. Or, ooh, it could be Iron Man three. No, it wouldn't be. In- Never mind. I'm not trying to help you. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Phil. First, I'm also gonna go with Avengers. Fuck. Wait. Maybe it's not Avengers. Shit. I'm not psyching myself out. I bet it's Iron Man three, but I'm locking Avengers. I'm gonna say Iron Man three. I'm also gonna say Iron Man three. Okay, so uh, it is actually Avengers. Fuck. <laughs> What's Damn. funny though? <laughs> Talk Just myself, out, myself of it. out, baby. So Avengers came out, did 1.5 billion. Iron Man three was next up, and it did 1.2. There you go. Wow, uh, man, I'm really good at this. So yeah, apparently Fuck. so. Phil's cheating. <laughs> yeah, he has the same article open. I see it, I see it in, his, in his eyes. He, he keeps looking down. He's got the Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Starking over here. <laughs> Which well, uh, that's that's probably a really obvious. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll go with this. Which solo film made the most money? Solo film, so like just a single character. Yes, and for the sake of this, we are not counting Civil War because that's not a solo film. Let's right. ask. All right, Iron Man three. Okay, I'm gonna Dark say Spider Man Far From Home. Oh, that's a good guess. I feel like. Black Panther's is a solo movie, right? Oh, shit. Yeah. In what way is it not a solo movie? It's called Black Panther. Yeah. I forgot about that. Why was was that the first one you guys went to? Because I I think Spider-Man made more money. Really? I forgot about the more recent ones. We weren't talking about those, really. Yeah, Black Panther. I'm going to keep Iron Man 3 locked in. (laughs) Pete, you said Spider-Man Far From Home? Yeah. Okay. It is absolutely Black Panther. Damn. Yeah. All right. Is Spider-Man Black. number two, though? Uh, Third. 
uh, yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home is is number two. That's what I thought. Damn. Yeah, Black Panther was like my second guess because I know that made over a billion dollars, but I figured Spider-Man edged it out because it's fucking Spider-Man. Because I remember it made it so quickly, and that was like the big thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, if that was like the first weekend, can you imagine what that meant for like everything else? Yeah, yeah. Not the first it, weekend, but it was actually a difference of like I'm a little bit math dumb, but I think this is a difference of like it's the difference of like a couple of a hundred million dollars. So it's really yeah, not not a yeah. wide gap. Yeah. Um, Damn, that's yeah. fucking awesome! Shout out to Black Panther. Can you, ma- can you imagine if you told yourself in your you at, in like 2008 when Iron Man came out that Black Panther would make over a billion dollars? It's nuts. <laughs> but again, good for Fred Hampton. Just real quick, Captain Marvel actually broke the billion mark, made 1.12 billion dollars. Yeah, wow. I'm not surprised by that. At this point, you know, there you go Brie Larson. So lest you think. That these movies are going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> the bubble, Sean. The bubble. The bubble. Boy, oh, yeah? Oh, How did Amazing Spider-Man 2 do? Gangbusters. Amazing Spider-Man 3, a.k.a. Spider-Man 3 in the MCU, though. That's going to do pretty well, I think. <laughs> no Marvel movie has, uh, <laughs> in the Infinity Saga, made less than... Five hundred million dollars after Avengers came out. Wow! Yeah, yeah that, makes, that makes sense. Holy shit! Captain so America be- did three hundred and seventy thousand. Winter Soldier did seven hundred and fourteen thousand. Damn! It's a major increase. You mean million? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. That would be very bad. What it is like? Captain <laughs> America made three thousand dollars. <laughs> how, how did Thor do? What two thousand dollars <laughs> or one or two one uh 449 million oh, wow. good. it did better than cap it did better than cap. i mean chris hemsworth man that's true he is a fucking well, smoke show not even not even that at the time probably big. natalie portman that's true yeah, yeah, it was a huge right. star yes. everybody loved natalie portman yeah, love now. And then Thor: The Dark World actually did six hundred and forty-four. That makes wow. sense. Nobody like, knew that it was bad until they had already yeah. bought their ticket. Yeah, I think six hundred forty-three million were disappointed by spending that money. <laughs> I'd be willing to bet too that a lot of people did what I did and saw that alongside like Winter Soldier. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Because that was when the right. hype got real. For sure, that was fun. Uh, we've got. A couple of listener comments to get into. Uh, So, Pete, why don't you take it away? All right. So this one comes from Kilgore Trout, who wrote in on last week's show about the Joe Bennett controversy. And uh, Kilgore shared some of their thoughts on the situation. Said, after the last Joe Bennett episode, it was my opinion that he would be blacklisted from Marvel after Immortal Hulk was finished as to not change the art style before Al got to finish his masterpiece. The body horror artwork was a huge part of Al's story, and it felt to me like removing Bennett before Al was done would have been punishing Al. Plus, if they had removed him from Immortal Hulk, it would have brought way more unwanted attention to Marvel. They definitely want to handle this without the ugly attention. When Matina uh, stole Marvel property to produce for their main competitor, they didn't make any kind of statement on the issue, but his Marvel fate was sealed. He will never work for Marvel again. I figured Bennett would have been handled the same, or would have been handed the same fate. Just my personal opinion. If you look into his history of the things he sneaks into comics, it was pretty clear to me that the Immortal Hulk thing was completely intentional. It was pretty cut and dry. 
we obviously talked about this at length last week, so uh, no need to belabor it for those of us who were here. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Uh, I just, I just don't, I, I don't know. Like the the idea that it was intentional. Like I just feel like we can't say that. Yeah, yeah. That's some wild speculation. Like now we can, I guess, but at the time, I don't, I don't like now I'm comfortable with it, but, but at the time I, I, there's just no way I couldn't say that. Yeah. And I I clearly Marvel couldn't say it either because they had no way to prove it. And they also missed, you know, they came out and said, Hey, we missed it. You know, we didn't catch that. So. Mm Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I, I wasn't here to talk about it last week, um, but I do remember feeling at the time that it it smelled funny to me. It wasn't passing the smell test, but I definitely uh, get what you mean in terms of like it was whether or not you feel it was cut and dry. I don't think it was um, optically that simple for Marvel to make that call um, at the time. Right. Whether or not we have that with the power of hindsight. Um, okay, so this next one, same episode, come from the Lord Akira, who said, assumptions are not knowledge. Super vague. Ooh, how wise. Yeah, right? I assume that that was a response to Kilgore Trout, um, but without con- more context, more words, it's hard to say. Uh, I agree with the statement as like a general blanket <laughs> statement. I agree with you. Crack so. that open in a fortune cookie. You go, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then in bed. <laughs> no, I feel like the one guy in Indiana Jones where his whole head melts. This is too wise for me. My brain's broken now. <laughs> I think, I think listening, uh, listening back to the episode, um, there were there was something uh, towards the the Joe Bennett situation where I think you guys had mentioned that the assumptions were on like the art pieces uh, of specifically the um, how he depicted Bolsonaro and like the political people the like the small people up front his his political opponents yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, to which I mean you know it's yes you commented but it's not a, a statement on anything so like it's it's beside the point uh what was that saying? a statement on anything what, what was that that felt Bro, like the comment meant, we just read no yeah i meant, I meant specific, <laughs> to, specific to his comment in bed <laughs> specific to his comment like yeah but there's it's just a uh a vague response to that to you guys saying that that was an assumption that those that's who those people were and that's what the representation was oh okay okay you cracked the code uh, had to, <laughs> you had to crack your code for us but you did yeah. crack his code Mar- that makes sense okay Marco you. translated it into a second language we didn't understand but then <laughs> he was able to Rosetta that. Stone us all the way there I appreciate that I don't know still, I still feel like that was a capture or so, of some kind I, you know what it is I had to translate into Gunganese first and then translate it back <laughs> well if that's the case uh, I agree with that too i mean i feel like we said you know we don't know this for 100 percent fact but this is clearly what it looks like this is the yeah. way that people are taking it and if that's not correct well maybe you shouldn't draw shit like that that is open to interpretation you know this is the world will react and also like we're all you know 
North Americans, like, what do we know about South American politics? You know, we don't know those people's faces whatsoever. So, like, yeah, Kale's in England. He's like, wait, there's a South American? <laughs> I barely believe there's a North one. That thought also wasn't unique to us, by the way. That was a yeah. thought that a lot of people had. So, if if it was incorrect, um, then you know, sure. But that's just how it was interpreted. And that doesn't help Joe Bennett, but the fact of the matter is that he draw he drew it. So whatever comes from that is what comes from that. And with the connection to what happened with the Mortal Hulk, I mean, you reap what you sow. Right. Yeah. And it's like it's not anyone's job as a fan or commentator to help somebody out of a hole that they dug themselves. Yeah. And and and, and you know what? Since we're 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 we've talked about it enough, let's just you know, do the whole thing now because Joe okay. Bennett got fired. Let's do it. Joe Bennett's done at Marvel. He will never work there again. He was replaced by uh, by Greg Land of all people. Uh, come on, <laughs> on timeless. <laughs> I think that's so funny. So like, instead of instead, oh boy, <laughs> go ahead. Instead of, instead of racist caricatures, we're gonna get um, uh, traced over porn drawings. <laughs> Thanos's O face or whatever. <laughs> you, you, you needed someone who could get it done quick. Who better than someone that trace? <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the idea that like Joe Bennett's pages are already done. He'll just come in and like trace them. <laughs> wow, he's really adaptable. Like his art looks different on every book. It's crazy. <laughs> um, there's not much more to it than that. He's gone from the company. I think that this was the right decision. I think if Marvel, I said it again, I'll, I'll just real quick. Marvel could never publish something with Joe Bennett on it ever again without getting negative backlash about him being on it, you know, and that's not what they want. It's not fair to the other creators that are involved who are just trying to do their work, that what they're doing has to be mired in this negativity i said it about al ewing he doesn't deserve what he's going through now the end of immortal hulk is you know ruined because this is all we're talking about and we should be celebrating it it's screwed up joe bennett made he 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 he, he made everything about himself and now he's paying the price hey maybe joe bennett lands on his feet maybe bolsonaro gives him a cabinet position <laughs> within his government Maybe he becomes like <laughs> director of propaganda. <laughs> he becomes like the secretary of drawing Bolsonaro as the Incredible Hulk or something. You know, he'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, this was. I, I think. I think this was the right call for Marvel, both from a you know um, a business perspective and a moralistic perspective, right? Like, this is not this is not somebody that you want associated with with what with your work. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, Joe. Exactly. Smell you later. Won't miss you. Uh, okay, so this uh, next comment came from uh, our review of We Watch What If Episode 5, uh, which was, of course, the What If Zombies episode. This one came from Kilgore Trout, who wrote in and said, I wasn't a fan with the way it quote-unquote ended. It felt like we were just getting started. I would have rather, uh, I would rather they have fleshed it out more and made it a full feature. Mm. I'm interested by that uh prospect you know i know this was something that uh marco and i i think talked about on episode three when i i threw out <clears throat> i threw out my theory that season two of the show would be like continuing 
pretty yeah. much every episode or, or most of the episodes that we saw uh, in season one, which, you know, I think I think as we've gone further, that seemed to be more and more the case, right? A lot of them, like episode five in particular, was clearly laying threads for what happens next and where where the, the surviving heroes are going to go and what their goal is. Um, and that's cool, but... I am kind of curious to see, like, when all said and done, right? Say there's, I don't know, say there's three seasons of What If, right? And they each of these is, like, a three-episode arc. It would be interesting to watch it in one piece and see how you feel about that as a, as a work, right? Um, and, like, if there might have been some benefit to doing it that way rather than having, like, 30-minute episodic chunks to do, like, shorter seasons with, like, a few episodes that are like more like features i don't know because i think the short length has really worked for some of them and not worked as well for others i i think that a feature length for this would have been it would have been fun but i don't know that it would have helped to serve like anything bigger and i think that's what what if is doing it's trying to contextualize the the multiverse and the possibilities and i think for that it, it had a really good function of being able to say, oh, you know, there is a universe where everybody's a zombie and, and you know, you get a flavor of it the same way we got a flavor of everything else. And this is what the, the this is the possibility of the multiverse. Um, not to say that a movie wouldn't be fun, just that I think it had it serves a different function. The thing for me is that the episodes that were really good felt complete, you know, yes. yeah. um, and this one just didn't. It felt like it needed more time and needed more personalities it, ne- it needed so many more things than what it presented uh, it's not that it was awful or anything it's just that it just clearly this could have been something bigger and i feel like that's why the the uh episode length should have been malleable uh it should have been based on the project not just a, a, a runtime. and obviously yeah. that's tougher to do when you're dealing with animation it's expensive blah 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 um, but that's just how I feel about it. I think this episode being what it was and, you know, people being generally underwhelmed by it speaks to something that, you know, they should think about going forward. Yeah, I think I think the point about a malleable runtime is is a really salient one. Like that was such a that was the thing that WandaVision in particular benefited from in a fucking huge way, mm-hmm. you know, um, and yeah, like animation's expensive and whatever, whatever. But, like, if they knew that they had plans to do sequels and and have some go longer or whatever, I feel like that could have been something that you maybe do in season two then, right? Is, like, maybe, like, season one is more of the ones that... Because, like, to your point, Sean, I think the first episode worked really well as a one-off. I think the second episode worked really well. And, like, you could continue, but you also don't need to because we got a complete story. Um, And I feel that way about the first few this one was the first one where I was like, yeah, like if this had been a like a double long or a triple long episode in season two, I think that could have been really cool. I think, too, just sort of speaking from the outside, like that goes against the the premise of what if, you know, you don't you're not supposed to spend a ton of time in those. They're just, you know, glimpses into that universe. And uh, from what it sounds you know, I'm, I'm not watching this series, but it, from what it sounds like, if it doesn't feel like a complete story, that's probably a failure on the on the on the unit and the story itself. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and I think there's a way that you can tell a Marvel zombie story that's more concise and is just like a one off. Um, but they didn't really do that. They set it up in a way where it clearly is going somewhere else and they want to follow through on that. And, I'm, you know, we all express on the review, like, interest in that. Um, but it does feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities in, in that, that last episode. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for writing in, Kilgore, and everyone else. We really appreciate it. Uh, you guys can keep that going by dropping us a comment wherever you're listening or writing in at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Let's jump into the pals polls. Uh, so from Pete, we have time before time number five. Yeah. So uh, like Sean said, this is one that we uh, are reviewing um, this week over on the image review show. So go check that out if you want to hear our full thoughts on it. Um, but of course, uh, we've, we've really been enjoying this book, um, at least most of us. And uh, I, I've not yet felt like I needed the book to move a lot faster, but it is now moving a lot faster, and I'm appreciating that. Um, it feels like the slow issues that they had, um, they made good use of taking time to establish like the rules of the universe, and now it feels like they're really capitalizing on those things, because now I have an understanding of what the rules are and who the characters are, so they can leverage them a little bit better to, to make me feel things. Um, and that's something that I, I really, really appreciated about this issue. Um, spoiler alert, I already read it. So, uh, yeah, go check out our review. Awesome. Uh, so next up, we have Marco with Rorschach number 12. Let's fucking go, baby. Sean, have you been keeping up with this thing? I'm a couple of uh, issues behind, but I've been loving it. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm on. I need to read issue 11. Uh, so that I'm ready for this. I've been waiting so I could read them back to back because mm. um, it's been getting wild. Um, and I'm very excited for this conclusion. I'm excited that for a Tom King book, it's been so concise and the mystery has been engaging up until this like last issue. And I, I like that we've been revealed. A lot's been revealed so much so that this ultimate issue is going to like tie everything together and i think all of i think it's going to be super neat um it's going to be done really well i think he he's been he's been crushing it and uh, i'm very excited to see how this uh finishes um just because it's been so strong leading up to it yeah absolutely I, i've been loving it as well can't wait to catch up uh you also chose eternal thanos rising number one so i've been enjoying the eternals um it's the so the sixth issue reveals uh, a few different things one in particular related to thanos being that he's been sort of manipulated into becoming an eternal and um now he's presumably they're all being reset and resurrected and um this applies to, to thanos now and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where the story goes. Uh, Kieran Gillen's still on it. It's going to be with Dustin Weaver. So the art's going to change, Aww. but, um, that said, we're still getting a sad ribbage covers and, um, ideally it won't be too drastic of a change. Um, but yeah, very much enjoying it. Looking forward to what this now means for the rest of the Eternals and them moving forward. Okay. Maybe I'll jump back on the horse. Uh, 
Bill Chull's Primordial Number One. Another book we had to read this week from our image reviews. Uh, this is Jeff Lemire and art by Andrea Sorrentino and colors by Dave Stewart. Um, this is kind of my wheelhouse. It's that space race period of 1950s and 1960s USA and Soviet Union. Um, this book was cool as hell, as you'll hear in our review. Uh, definitely worth reading. It's Jeff Lemire, the height of his powers. And just alternates between this uh, kind of alternate history of the U.S. and monkeys in space. Who could ask for more? Not me. <laughs> um, I chose Batman 89, number two. I really, really loved the first one. I thought it was uh, oh, very... Rad. Sorry? Rad. Yeah. You, yeah. you weren't excited about it. Uh, that's true. You're absolutely right. Uh, I was wrong. Um, the book. <laughs> the book was... <laughs> the book was really cool and uh i had a blast with it uh so i, I i'm i'm excited for the next one uh it's sam ham who wrote the the actual movies uh and joe canonas so super mm-hmm. cool um love the love the trajectory of that book and then myself kale and pete all chose trial of magneto number two this was a a surprising tour de force from um leah williams thank you leah williams i could not come up with that um i was i i think i was probably the least skeptical but she came out and surprised me with the the gravity that she brought to this um in a way that uh, really, really serves it. It feels like a procedural in like the perfect way, but it still has um, impact. Yeah. Um, in a way that I was, I wasn't entirely confident that she'd be able to pull off, given you know her her previous titles and stuff. Uh, but I really enjoyed the first issue, so I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. Ditto floored me blew me away let's get into the news let's get into the news and let's talk about what's going on with marvel unlimited so this was a crazy week so this is my theory i don't know if it's true but i feel like every time there's a movie coming out um the the comics industry kind of shuts up a little bit uh they let the movie come out it comes out and then the week after that is always crazy uh so shang chi came out did what it did now crazy time so we've got the marvel unlimited upgrade uh and they're touting infinity comics so what does that mean infinity comics is a new line of books that are going to be on marvel unlimited um we don't i guess we don't know if they'll ever come to physical i, I haven't i at least don't think i've seen the answer to that but um, it, it, the games radar says digitally exclusive comics. So I, that, yeah, we'll that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But <laughs> if, if if the format's emblematic of anything, maybe it'll stay just within digital, though. Yeah, the the format probably it, it very likely means that. Um, and so the what is the format? Uh, the format is basically the webtoon format, which is like. Huh? It's, yeah, well, we're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, it's basically like one 
long panel and each each panel is all you see when you like when you read it it's just the one panel and it kind of like just goes uh you scroll down like that it's a completely different way of engaging with comics i actually read my first uh webtoons uh yesterday in preparation for the show and uh it's different um it's it's certainly different i'll talk about my thoughts on that a little later was that oh sorry go ahead we'll talk about it go ahead no no yeah We'll get back to it. <laughs> uh, so they announced several different uh, series that they're going to be coming out with. Uh, so we've got X-Men Unlimited. This is Jonathan Hickman. Okay. Uh, with Declan Shalvey. Okay. Like, now, all right. Okay. <laughs> it, it is an anthology series. So the vibe I get is that it will not always be Declan. Okay. It not even always be Hickman. But uh, to start, it's it's that creative team telling a Wolverine versus AIM story. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm fucking real here for that. That sounds cool. I saw yeah, I saw some uh, pages from it, and it looked really good. I mean, obviously, it looked good. It's Declan Shalvey. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're saying that it's going to come out weekly. For how long? That makes sense. Don't know. Shit. Okay. Yeah, that's That's cool. Pretty cool. Hickman actually talked about the fact that he had an idea for a digital only uh, X-Men book that Marvel decided that they didn't need last year. In 2020, he talked about this. So I'm wondering if this is that. Huh. That would be cool. I mean, I love the idea that like he pitched this and they just didn't have a place for it. And then now they're like, oh, shit, we do. John, what's yeah. up? <laughs> well, it would also make sense, sort of the um, the sort of shift into an actual uh, making the X Men title an actual superhero team book, the way we've seen with Duggan and and Pepe Larraz, and shift what he was doing uh, before over here. Sure. Uh, they also announced it's Jeff. <laughs> but uh, it's Jeff. I've Jeff. Go ahead. I've never heard of Jeff the Land Shark until now, but he's adorable. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that is, but Jeff the Jeff the 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 Land Shark. Uh, I guess he's um, is from par- West Coast Avengers, Deadpool, and Gwenpool, uh, created by Kelly Thompson. Uh, so we're gonna be we're gonna be getting uh, we're gonna be getting that, um, and Guri Hiru is gonna do the art. Oh, cool! He's cool. very talented. Um, Everyone keep Jeff the Land Shark in mind. I'm sure that'll be a journey into Quistory question down the road. <laughs> <laughs> no, because Tyler uh, Tyler doesn't like to ask questions that are related to things that are still uh, actually happening. <laughs> too too current, too relevant. Way too current. Uh, we also got giant sized little marvels. This is Scotty Young. Nice uh, with, but he's writing it because he's with Dax Gordine. Um, and it's just going to be, you know, little heroes versus, I guess, little villains. Ooh, that's pretty funny. It really sucks the fun out of that. <laughs> right. Uh, we also got a Shang-Chi book, uh, Legend of Shang-Chi. This is going to be written by Alyssa Wong uh, with art by Nathan Stockman. That's going to be four issues. A new Captain America series by uh, a podcaster, Explain the X-Men. 
Jay Editing, I guess. Um, I believe they did some other recent work for Marvel. I, I, I don't know if it, I guess the panels that I was seeing were from this series, but I saw work from them on something Captain America related. So I'm going to assume it's this. Uh, but the artist is Nico Leon. This is a big mess, Sean. I got to tell you, they wanted to hire a podcaster to write Captain America at Sean's Soapbox. So close. Whew, man, oh, man. Uh, a Black Widow series uh, called e- Black Widow Easter Egg Hunt um, with, by Mark Russell. Oh, with the art by Annie Molina and uh, colors by Irma Nivilla. That's interesting. Mark Russell, I, I don't, I can't think of another title that he has done at Marvel. That's the top of my head. Yeah. Like he's usually like in the independent or like at most DC space. Yeah. So that's cool. I've never uh, seen Annie Molina's work, but I just Googled it. She's got some really good looking stuff. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. It's cool. Amazing fantasy prelude. This is, fucking uh, image of Wolverine <laughs> with this sword is awesome. <laughs> so this is uh this is amazing because you guys know we loved the Beta Ray Bill book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was by uh help Dan- me out. Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah, okay. So when we talked about that, someone said that they felt like that style was something that I probably wouldn't like. And I said that uh, I had seen it before. I'd seen something similar before. Well, Car Andrews is who I was talking about. Mm. This guy did, he did an Iron Fist run. Yeah. He had an Iron Fist run. I loved that series. That was one yeah. of my favorite series coming out at the time. And I remember it very fondly. It's very good. Yeah, so, so amazing. And I think they did a couple of other things at Marvel that I also really loved. Uh, the, I, I, I know there's a Spider-Man sort of, uh, future <gasps> title, Spider-Man, Spider-Man Rain. Rain. I love that book. That's so Oh, they did Rain? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Related, related, Pete specifically, but probably Sean too. They, they're doing a, um, a title with, uh, AWA. Yes. That I completely don't know the name of because I didn't know I was going to talk about it, but I read the first couple issues of it. It is very, very good. I feel uh, like very, I it. very ultimate Spider-Man, mm. um, but with that guy's art, and it's tremendous. And what's what's their name? Kare Andrews. Yeah, yeah, K A A R E Andrews. Yeah, Ex- ecstatic. Uh, I don't know. He's Excel. so he's so talented, and I just love his style. So this yeah. amazing fantasy prelude is a a precursor to the amazing fantasy series that's uh, I believe coming out. Oh, or it started in July. So um, this you don't need to read this to read amazing fantasy. Uh, he said that on social, but um, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and then they also announced uh, a few different like kind of adaptions, how they were going to like take a book that already exists and kind of like make it in this style. So uh, Spider-Man loves Mary Jane. That makes perfect sense. Yep. Yeah. Very, very yeah. It's like a, that's a totally, a, it's like 
a good uh, genre choice, you know, because that's like it's like a YA romance type type story. Yeah, uh, this is Sean McKeever with Takeshi Miyazawa. Uh, if you've, I mean, I feel like most people have at least heard of this series. Uh, if you haven't, I think Pete described it well enough. Uh, and what it is, what it's called, is exactly what it is. Um, so yeah, it's like beloved. I remember that being like yeah. a huge book back in the day. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yep. And I think it's so smart by Marvel to use that in this way. I would love to see them do that with like like what other books can make that jump and make sense in this format I, is going to be. I got you right now. Oh, OK, cool. Yeah. Hit us. Uh, so they have primer series that they're using, which are basically like books that have already like existed. I'm pretty sure that are like, here's this character's big beats or whatever i'm pretty sure this is what it is okay they got one for uh, amazing spider-man black panther captain marvel moon knight moon girl devil dinosaur miss marvel venom and spider-man and so they're taking those and and basically making them for infinity comics so that when you get it when you get marvel unlimited you have these series that you can jump right into and say okay cool i got it on miss marvel i got it on moon girl um in a cool format that is brilliant um, I mean, right, like that that feels like such a smart idea. It speaks to you know the the problem that I feel like we always come back to with specifically big two superhero comics, right? Where it's like you might fall in love with a character and then just feel like you don't know where to start and that it's like kind right. of impenetrable. Um, so for this to already be a, an initiative to get new kinds of readers, invested with what marvel's doing and having them have an easy inroad and then ideally when you're done it'll suggest some other books that you can go read now with your new knowledge i love that great idea yes but not everybody's happy you don't not say everybody's happy what? so does anyone here have marvel unlimited oh i no. used to but yeah not in years okay so the redesign part because they redid the whole app they like okay ripped up the foundation and laid down new everything uh apparently it ain't great the foundation weren't great either there you go uh so what i'm reading is a collection of complaints uh that bleeding cool put together but i saw a lot of this on social the day that uh, marvel unlimited the redesign came out okay uh so the new organized layout is great at pushing marvel content that the app wants you to read like the new mar vertical that's the name that rich johnson came up for the style whatever Ooh. oh okay <laughs> i thought that was yeah. the official marvel name i was like that's fucking for these bad <laughs> like these new series is yeah okay but that's not the official name um but not great at finding other comics you actually want to read there's no browse function anymore. You can only search specific things. Uh, that's really what? bad. That's garbage. That's real, real bad. That's just a bad feature. Like, Yeah. The popular creator section currently topped by Firm 15, quote unquote, which was an internal code for Jonathan Hickman on a couple of Marvel titles, but not anything that's else that's actually popular from Hickman. The second most popular creator is Howard Mackey. The third is Ron Wagner. Okay. Uh, people have had to spend the day so far in their Marvel Unlimited li- library re-deleting comics they had previously deleted months ago. Oh, that sucks. Uh, the, also, the marked red flag seems to have gone, so users can't tell what they've read and what they haven't. Oh, uh, it's gone? It didn't. It's not just like reset? 
This is according to Rich, and these are the complaints that he Okay, about. okay. Fuck. Um, That's awful. Yeah. It no longer displays content lists as grids anymore, but long scrollable lists with thumbnails, which are much harder to negotiate if you want to browse through the 545 issues of Uncanny X-Men. That sounds annoying. It sounds, this sounds as bad as the Bleeding Cool website. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to argue. Uh, the library being listed instead of a grid as well and organized by series instead of by issue makes more convoluted to navigate and harder when redeleting those issues. Uh, new release, new releases list doesn't have everything released this week. Okay. There's no way to see a list for a previous week or month. Oh boy. Wow. Uh, and on and on. There's like, there's several complaints. That's crazy. That's it's just like a weird, those are weird choices. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like if, if this was a new app, and it was missing all these things, it'd be like, yeah, fair play, right? Like, it's brand new. I'm sure they're going to add features over time. I'm sure that some of these features will be added over time, especially now that people are complaining. But to take your flagship digital experience and gut it and then redesign it and strip a bunch of core features, what is the fucking benefit of that? Like, even yeah. even if you make the argument of, like, oh, well, they're trying to drive you towards the stuff they want you to read, fine. But I don't even feel like that argument holds water. Because if you're a business, you want people to buy whatever they want to spend money on, mm-hmm. right? Like, making it so that you can't browse comics is only going to make it harder to spend money, which is definitely not what they want, right? Like, there's no financial imperative for you to only read this new initiative stuff, right? Like that's cool or whatever, but they don't, they shouldn't care about that. In theory, they should care about you spending the most money possible on comics. Right. So Sean, are you saying that you don't want to be a digital first or digital only reader now? (sighs) Why bother? Why bother even asking me that question? No, I don't. It was a, It was kind of. I was kind of shooting daggers at Marco while I said that too. It's like Marco, how's it feel? Sorry, I, I was subscribing. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Marco doesn't give a fuck. He reads on Comicsology. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I just subscribed. I'm sorry, Phil. What were you saying? Did you actually just subscribe? Yeah, I just subscribed. God bless you, Marco. God bless you. <laughs> Got to support comics. Jar Jar Banks over here, folks. <laughs> this is how I start the the next uh, Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> uh speaking of subscribing uh let's talk about the price of marvel unlimited uh it is 9.99 a month okay or you can get it annually for 69 dollars a year nice yeah that's the same or price as uh dc there's also an annual plus subscription for 99 dollars a year which gives you uh a membership kit, whatever that is, invites to events and 10% off at shopdisney.com. Nice. I use that every day. <laughs> that's yeah. that's really weird. That's a weird benefit. <laughs> Where else are you going to get your mouse ears, bro? You're going to you're gonna want that discount when they take over the world. And you're going to be spending it on food. Yeah. Making I mean, mouse-shaped food. Yeah, I'm not saying that there's not value, I guess, but it's just weird. Oh, all of these issues are out. That yeah, that was the other. That was the other key piece. They're out. Oh, and these entire series have come out already. Well, not, 
each each all of the I believe all of the ones we have talked about the number the number ones they're out and Marvel says they plan to release 100 comics Holy uh, 100 shit. issues yeah and there's more series on the way okay um with other characters that they haven't all the way talked about but Deadpool is going to be one of them and you know a bunch of different characters cool are still coming. Wow. yeah so like um it's Jeff is on issue three already, as is the giant size little Marvels, um, Captain America. All the primers are issue mm. ones, and then Spider Man Loves Mary Jane is already on issue four. Wow! Yeah, holy shit! That's cool. Yeah, I, and and I love that part of it. You know that you you but you get it, you pick it up. They announced it; it's out. The books are there. You you can just you can just dive in. Yeah. That's nuts that's smart um yeah it's really smart and we're gonna talk a lot about that strategy later on when we talk about what dc chose to do and who's winning this war the war of webtoons uh because they're both they're both clearly courting that market you look at some of these books and you see that art style you know it's really clear i mean guri hero is there for a reason even outside of the art style like just the to kale's point the genre piece yeah. Like uh, whenever you sign on to webtoons, it breaks it down by genre because people come for that specifically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think this is a, a definite thumbs up. The the formatting issues and stuff, the, the user stuff aside, uh, that can be rectified. If mm-hmm. people complain, they're going to be like, okay, we got to go back and, you know, add this, that, and the other thing that happens. But the content appears to be aces and that's what you need that's the mm-hmm. most important thing i want to ask a question we can table it until we get to the comparison do we think that maybe this got pushed out early in response to what dc's doing ruminate on that for a little bit i like that question a lot that's a great question pete we're gonna think i'm gonna think about that let's shift gears because we're again we're gonna get back to that let's shift gears and talk about shang chi so <laughs> I'm laughing because I can't believe how successful this movie has been. It's it's absolutely incredible. So last week we talked about that Shang-Chi was on pace to break records at the box office. And it did that. Um, and I think at the time we said that it was likely it would likely top out uh, north of 70 million. I think we said mm. so, somewhere in that space. Well, uh, Labor Day weekend resolved, and Shang Chi made ninety four million ninety four point six million dollars year uh, that that weekend. So wait, so the original estimate was over seventy, and it did around. Nine- yeah. Okay. Wow. Fuck. That's awesome. And then it went on to make. 105.9 million domestically overall since its release and 50.6 million internationally for a total of 162.1 million dollars. Nice. That's awesome. That's not bad at all. That's without premiere access. Yeah, and plus People are still obviously hesitant to go to movie theaters because of the pandemic. Are they? Not if it's not if it's a good enough movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Not if it's a Marvel Disney movie. Yeah. 
I think Phil's right. I think Phil makes a great point. The fact that I think this movie would have done insane numbers had it released during a normal period of time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just talking about movies that make upward to a billion or past a billion dollars. That's this is still not close to that, but this, this does better than anything else that's come out the last year and a half, two years. Yeah. I, I wonder what that, I wonder how close or how far how far past a billion dollars it might have gotten in in better circumstances. I'm I'm curious to see what like because to, to what Sean said every movie after the Avengers has made at minimum five hundred thousand dollars. Like, will we? I mean, five hundred million. Will we hit that point? <laughs> will, will will we hit that point now? Because I think that'll also be an indicator as to like, oh, what is the new baseline? Man. That's see that now you're getting my brain going because this changed everything. I'm, I, I want to talk about what you just said, but I'm going to work my way over there. So uh, Shang-Chi did what it did. Amazing numbers for context. Scarlett Johansson thought that Black Widow was going to make a billion dollars. Uh-huh. Okay. She thought that that's why she's suing Disney Mm -hmm. and that's why she's mad she thought that they would make a billion and that she would get a hundred million dollars so because of Disney's decision she feels like they cost her a hundred million dollars I think she's smoking crack because there's no chance during a pandemic that that movie was going to make a billion dollars but okay uh Shang-Chi I think was always going to do more numbers than Black Widow yeah I think that's fair to say so if she thought and Disney thought that that movie could make a billion dollars, let's say they thought that before the pandemic, that's probably what, you know, that referred to specifically. Yeah. I think Shang-Chi does better than that somehow, some way. But the reason I say this changed the game and why Shang-Chi is the most important movie of the pandemic era is because now Disney is saying for the next five movies we're, we're doing, no premiere access. That includes Eternals. No premiere 45-day theatrical exclusivity window for Eternals. And it's not just Disney. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, a movie that we all thought was getting delayed, is now coming out earlier right. because of this. They Wait, made really? that announcement after yeah. Labor Day. Wow, yes, I didn't absolutely. know that. Like the yep. next week or two? They, they, up, they bumped it forward two weeks you fucking kidding me bro nope we just put out the book club we could have switched them <laughs> son of a bitch yep. come on sony yep do me dirty sony like this. is trying to sabotage the comics files sounds right. like it and and again there are other movies i can't think of all the movies i saw that that are doing this but those are the ones that stuck out to me that changes the game for spider-man as well i said on this podcast there was no chance in hell that spider-man 3 comes out this year i was wrong you think it's coming now she is why absolutely i don't know i mean maybe maybe you're right if they had the same lofty goals for this movie um but yeah i just i feel like spider-man makes so much fucking money like listen this is shang chi okay this isn't even this isn't even star lord right sure Mm. and it was the biggest movie of the pandemic. Yeah. So 
what would happen if a movie came out with a character that people are obsessed with? People risk their, I risked my life to see Shang-Chi. I didn't even want to see the movie like that. Okay, what do you think I'm going to do for Spider-Man or The Matrix? I'm going to go haywire. Sure. I'm going to see the movie more than once. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. So to answer Marco's question of will a, will a movie make over $500,000 baseline, I think Spider-Man is a shoe-in. Probably, yeah. I mean, I think Shang-Chi could even make that much if it made this much already. It's already. It's, it's not impossible. Know. No. I mean, it's it's at, what we said, was that 160 million already? Yeah. And you know what's week? crazy? You know what's crazy? You know what the wildest part about all of this is? It didn't release in China. Damn. That is crazy. With that context. And it's not going to happen. Yeah. Neither is Eternals. Wow. So both so, of those movies are going to underperform, but <laughs> yep. But but they're going to underperform, but in context, what would they have done had they been released there? It would have been to potentially that baseline, let's say. Like like let's say over time what it, the next 2 weeks we still get a residual 100 million. Uh Im- imagine that in the the Asian markets. That would have been the the minimum 500,000. I mean, 500 million. I keep seeing fucking saying that. 500 million. Um, <laughs> that's wild to think that we've, we're getting that much closer to pre-pandemic numbers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Obviously, everyone has to adjust their expectations. But the fact is that, you know, Shang-Chi has brought confidence back to the box office for these film studios. And that's what they needed. Um and, you know, granted, the pandemic isn't going away, but people want to get back to life. And, you know, we're ready to have fun again, I think, in a lot of in a lot of cases. Uh, we'll see that it could be a it could be a rough winter. And maybe by December we pump the brakes. Yeah. But right now. Things are looking up. I'm wondering if this will hold true for other studios. Um. Because I think as much as it's like cool um, for everyone to play like armchair chair film critic and like shit on the MCU, um, people really love Marvel movies and they yeah. show up for them in ways they don't show up for other movies. I mean, James Bond. James Bond at the end of uh, yeah. October. Yeah. Like what's so that going to look like? Be, well, I, I mean, I think it's going to be maybe the same, if not worse than Shang-Chi worse in the good way. People have been very excited about this James Bond movie because yeah. it's like been the the pandemic postponed movie that people have been buzzing about. And 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 I think uh, even if there's a rough winter and you know people start to pump the brakes, I don't know if the companies will. I think I said this last week. I I think they'll start pushing it. Yeah, I mean you might be right because like we talked about this early in the the you know pandemic uh, era, I guess that we're in now. Of like, at a certain point, you need to just shit or get off the pot, right? Like, yep. they're still making movies. They're still paying people salaries and like sitting, just shelving these movies and sitting on them. Um, they got to figure out a way to make a return at some point. Uh, the thing that not necessarily scares me, but I, I guess like the question I have with that in mind is like, at what point does that affect movies? Like, at what point does Mar- does Marvel need to start spending less on these movies to continue to see the returns that they want to see um things like that i don't know 
that that's yeah that's that's a, a large question uh i think that we won't see that for any tentpole film i, I don't mm. i think they'd rather push it back and not do it than do it worse yeah or, uh, or spend more money on precautions right to make it happen by the way shang chi was filmed for 150 million dollars which is wow on the low end it's on the way low end. that's like a, yeah that's fucking cheap and yeah. by the way they got a 50 million dollar tax credit from australia so it cost 100 million to make yep so again so double that for marketing they yes. spent 200 on this sucker that's it yep. nice well, I think they spent like a hundred million dollars to pay a, a dragon to show up for this movie. <laughs> they don't come treat, you know. <laughs> no, they really. Don't. I mean, that's huge. That 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 in and of itself is a big difference. If like they're spending less, but you're not noticing it in the quality, then I mean, hell. And and my last major thought is: is this kind of in a way a redemption of? Well, she's been in the right the whole time anyway, but like vindication for 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 uh scarlett johansson because this movie did not have premiere access so people who wanted to see it had to go they couldn't sit at home and and just watch it on 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 their computers or whatever they had to go so what happens if black widow does not have premiere access that's her beef and i mean it definitely would have done better right like i mean in the article that you referenced um it made 60 million dollars in premiere access Right. Mm. That's money you, right out of her fucking pocket. <laughs> yep. And you can't say that the movie doesn't make some amount of that money if it's not premiere access. Mm-hmm. It absolutely makes some of that money, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, also, last point, I forgot I wanted to say this. What does this say about Suicide Squad? Hmm. What does it say about Suicide Squad? I bring that up because Suicide Squad did, you know, the numbers on Suicide Squad were poor. Yep. They, were, they were really poor. And everybody was, and we did it too. Everybody was making the excuse of, which is, it's valid, of, you know, the virus, the virus, the virus, lower your expectations. There's just no way it's going to do as well as we think. Shang-Chi comes out. It does crazy numbers. What does that say about Suicide Squad? But I mean, think about this. You could watch Suicide Squad for free on HBO Max. Yeah, I mean, not for free, but I know what you mean. But but like you subscription fee. Yeah. And like I look at that as for free. Right. Because Mm -hmm. the Disney alternate like Black Widow was an additional thirty dollars on top of my existing subscription to Disney Plus. You know, that's that's the difference here is that one movie you could watch in the comfort of your home for the cost of your normal premium subscription fee. And the other you actually had to go to the movie theater to watch. Yep. And I, I, I do think that's a big deal. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I think that's probably a pretty huge deciding factor as to why it made so much less, right? Um, however, I, I would also raise the question of, like, maybe people are just finally fucking done with the DC movies being not good. And not to say that Suicide Squad wasn't good, but, like... We all liked it. Yeah, we all liked it. Um, but like I, I remember I, I still haven't seen Birds of Prey, but I remember it getting a really good critical reception and, you know, a, a, we all liked it. And that also didn't you you didn't like it. Right. Um, but it also didn't do very five. Well. Ain't bad. 
three out of five ain't bad. You know, it, it also didn't perform super well. Um, and I wonder if that's part of people having a bad taste. In, like, you know, bring, we bring brought up the Hulk uh, question earlier on, right? Are people at this point like, I'm good. Like, and Wonder Woman 2 was not very good, right? Like, I don't know. That Personally. that probably was like the, the taste in people's mouths was like, oh, Wonder Woman was supposed to be this big thing. Plus, it was yeah. a sequel to a pretty good movie. Plus, it was going to be during pandemic era. And then now... Uh, Suicide Squad comes out. Man, I'm not interested. Wonder did, Woman is okay. Did people turn up for the Snyder Cut though? Uh, that was the other thing. So the the Snyder Cut was just a re. Uh, basically, for most people, a remake, a longer remake of a shitty movie, because the 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 director wanted to like jerk off in front of people. Like <laughs> that's what that was. But I also feel like that again is it's such a it's a different narrative, right? Because it's like it was free. <laughs> <laughs> on the HBO app, and it was a th- it was a talking point, right? Like whether you wanted to see it because you generally were interested, or you wanted to watch it so you could shit on it on the internet, or razz it with your friends or whatever. Like, I don't know. I feel like that was even an easier sell than than the Suicide Squad. But but that wasn't the narrative for Shang Chi. The narrative for Shang Chi was, oh, this might be a pretty good movie. They actually go check it out. Yeah, exactly. Because it's the yeah, MCU, yeah. right? You know, like, say what you will. People look at the MCU and, like, they associate it with quality. Well, what does that say about Black Widow, though? Because Black Widow is the direct comparison to to Suicide Squad. I mean, I guess the difference is that you would have to pay $30, but it's both in the sense that they're home releases primarily. Mm -hmm. And if you're going off the logic of people want to turn out to see a Marvel movie because they're traditionally good, you you wouldn't have Scarlett Johansson suing Disney over this if people came out to see it. But I think but, if it wasn't available on Disney Plus, more people would have probably. Yeah. People well, still paid to see it, even if it was at home, and paid more at home, even if it wasn't those same numbers. Me, and me. that's the question, though. Suicide Squad, like Shang-Chi, didn't, was, was not limited to HBO Max, which is a streaming platform that people have less in their house than Disney Plus. Would people turn out in the movie theaters to see it conversely compared to any of these other movies i i think i think probably yes but i think that the interesting point of comparison that we don't have right is that because hbo max is free it, you're getting it free it's not with the premier access model like we can't point to a number and be like oh well it made twenty thousand and black widow made 60 right so yeah. obviously right. it was less popular it's all okay. we're, you know we have to, we're left having to speculate about right. why people were or weren't interested in it mm-hmm. i mean suicide squad made 54.9 million dollars in the u.s and canada that's bad Mm -hmm. yikes yeah uh i i contend and i will always say that uh warner made a mistake with the day and date releases no matter how much people like it i've taken advantage of it i think it was a mistake i think they were short-sighted and i think we're seeing it now and if the Matrix comes out and people do not go see that, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I got to tell you, if a movie comes out on HBO Max, I'm going to stay at home and watch it. I'm, yeah, not, I'm not seeing the Matrix in theaters if it's on HBO Max. Ditto for, it, it, I would have sat be. home and watched Shang-Chi at home, too, if that's, that was on Disney+. Plus. I haven't seen it yet, and that's during, part of the reason why. During yep. the pandemic, I don't really want to go to these places right now. I made the exception for Shang-Chi and it worked out. I went during the middle of the day. But any of these movies that come out on a streaming platform, that's what I'm going to do. Fair enough. We've got to move on, but I do want to leave us with the with the idea, the thought that Shang-Chi 
not only has done well in the box office, but it has the highest audience score for a Marvel movie of all time at 98%. Really? Wow, holy shit. All time. Fuck. Yep. That's cool. Okay. The best reviewed Marvel movie ever. That's cr- Even more than The Incredible Hulk? <laughs> I guess I got to go catch more. a matinee, huh? Even more than the incredible. Sean, Sean was preparing for a for an answer. <laughs> he was totally was. Did you hear that? Yeah, I was. Uh, let's talk about Batman Day. Batman Day is September eighteenth, so just a week away, and uh, we've got some information about what DC plans to do, and it feels like they're throwing everything out for Batman Day. Uh, The biggest, I think, announcement is the thing that's already happened, which is the the Webtoon series, Batman Wayne Family Adventures. Uh, That's out. We're going to talk about that. Don't worry. Um, And it's got... Batman, it's got all the different, you know, Robins and things and hijinks and everything else. It's fun. Um, they also announced a partnership comic book issue with FaZe Clan, which is, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. I uh, wish I knew what that was. Thank you for being the uh, old, old dude on the podcast so I can explain it to you. And you hmm. can be the listener right now. I won't. Face uh, Clan is an esports group. Um, what? Esports group? An esports organization? Yeah, Kel. So that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Kel, you what you do is you connect your computer to somebody else's computer. Okay. Right? To what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this uh, like hooking up Game Boys? <laughs> Link cable? <laughs> they're they're extremely popular anyway, and uh, they've done. They, they had a, a little bit of a partnership, I think, during the Fortnite, uh, Batman Fortnite stuff. Yeah. And now they're furthering that here, using the 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 people, the real people from Phase Clan, and putting them in this uh, in this book. Um, and the cover's pretty cool. It features the actual Phase Clan members, but they've got powers and stuff like that, and Batman's. On the cover, so that's cool. Uh, and then we're also getting a podcast called Batman: The Audio Adventures with mm. Jeffrey Wright as Batman. My man is Batman and Jim Gordon. What? Yeah, this that's been in the works for a while, hasn't it? It has, yeah. yeah. But it's finally it's finally coming uh, out on the day on eighteenth on the eighteenth. That's sick. cool. It's on yeah. HBO Max. It's on HBO Max. What? It's yeah. interesting. Huh. We don't know how that's going to work. Interesting. The aesthetic's yeah. really cool. Just off the the cover. Yeah, Very, it, um, it looks like a lot Batman. like um, it, it has definitely like a vibe of kind of like the animated series and yeah, you know, Batman eighty nine a little bit, like that like retro well, they're, future. They're saying it's it's gonna uh, have it's gonna be like a celebration or or in, draw inspiration from uh, Batman the animated series and. Uh, the 60s Batman. Oh, cool. Wait, yeah. Rosario Dawson is Catwoman? All right. Whoa. Yep. John Leguizamo's the Riddler. What? Oh, that's Holy right. shit. Yes, that's that's right. awesome. Some yeah. days you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Shout out to then, John Leguizamo. Seriously, he's got his own comic book coming out soon, too. 
He has a few. He's done a few, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's one in particular uh, that we talked about. Like, I feel like it was two years ago. I don't oh, know. that's right. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember us trying to interview him. I, I, yeah. remember, I remember he was at a Comic Con, and wasn't it like Sean? Wasn't it like some like someone in your family was a big fan of him or something? My aunt is a huge okay. John Leguizamo. Fan. Yeah, that's what I, I thought. And I remember you were like, "Yo, if I can interview John Leguizamo, she will lose her shit." <laughs> Didn't work out, sadly. One day, ba- <laughs> sure. Uh, Batman: The World is also uh, coming out. That is the graphic novel that we talked about way back. Um, and it's going to be like every so there's 14 uh, markets and each one will have a story that will feature in the book. So each market will get their own story with their own creators telling their story for Batman. Oh, right. This, this uh, around the world. Yeah. Around the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I have Japanese creators, Korean creators, et cetera, yes. et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Can't wait to pick this up. Yeah, it's going to be neat. Yeah. I think this is releasing on um, the app as well. Yeah. But DC no one Universe. cares about that. Well, I'm going to get it for free. Wow. You're not getting it for free, Marco. You're getting it for your subscription price, okay? <laughs> You're the reason why Suicide Squad did bad. <laughs> Go Marco's to a movie rich. Marcus Rich, he finds a hundred dollar bill on his couch cushion. He's like, "Oh, a napkin." <laughs> <laughs> what is this doing here? It should be in the trash. <laughs> and and there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, DC Universe Infinite is going to have collections. Of course, all the movies are available on HBO Max. All the TV shows, blah blah blah. Lots of different Batman stuff. Uh, Cartoon Network is going to have. Uh, Batman themed programming. Uh, there's going to be a new Teen Titans Go episode called Batman's Birthday Gift. Um, just a ton of of, of Batman stuff. Uh, so I think this is great. You know, I love the way that they celebrate Batman. Uh, they, I think they should do this for other characters. Uh, I don't know if there's a Superman Day, but there ought to be, and there mm-hmm. should be a Wonder Woman Day too. Every day could be day. Superman B. If we all strive to be our best selves, Sean. Uh, I'm partial to the Injustice version of Superman. Jeez. I'm, uh, I think I know how I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to go out next Saturday and wear hockey pads. That's smart. <laughs> Fight crime, too. See what happens. That's Apparently there is a Superman day, and it's June 12th, and I've never, okay. ever heard of that. I don't remember. Superman doesn't make as much money as Batman does, so DC doesn't care about him. Superman is too modest. He's like, I don't need my own day, everybody. Don't worry about it. Superman finds a $100 bill on the couch cushion. He's like, oh boy, money. (laughs) (laughs) He's a reporter for a major newspaper. What is he, (laughs) Spider-Man? So I'm going to be the guy, and I'm going to say that I don't like the FaZe Clan thing. I get it. I know yeah. why, but I just don't like it. It's the same thing with yeah, the, the it's dumb. thing. <laughs> it's dumb. If, yeah. if you want, if you want to know what I think about clans, no, I'm anti clans. <laughs> Pro Superman. I would smash the clan. Exactly. Ah, okay. nice. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the the Batman Fortnite thing made more sense to me. Because, like, yeah. Batman was in Fortnite. Fortnite is a, you know, it's an IP. Like, it's it's a 
you know, it's a it's a globally recognized brand. It's like the vid- biggest video game in the world right now, you know, um, or at least over the last couple of years. Whereas this, it's like, you know, I'm pretty tapped into the whole, you know, game sphere space. And it's like, I don't know who the fuck FaZe Clan is. Like, I don't, you know, like by, by name, but like, I, you know, I don't. Like I don't know. Like I'm not to say that this doesn't matter or that like it. Like I I'm with you, Sean. In terms of like I get it. I get why this is a thing. But like this feels like a bridge too far for me. Yeah. Although I will say, if I was one of those people and they were like, "Hey, do you want to be a superhero in a Batman comic?" I'd be like, "Yeah, fuck yeah." Are you kidding me? No doubt about <laughs> it. I think yeah. it's yeah. I think for them it's a it's a it's an easy yes. I just think that. I don't know. And, and and please don't ask me what I thought about Punisher and Eminem or whatever. Like, <laughs> I just <laughs> pretty similar reaction, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think that this I don't think that real life people should intersect with these characters in a way of like they're helping them, yeah. they're teaming up or anything like that. Batman should not team up with FaZe Clan. They don't even have powers in real life. Come on. <laughs> you know, like at least in um, in uh, the Hellfire Gala, we had tons of celebrities, but they were just there. They just attended. Yeah. Celebrities can exist in that space, but they shouldn't be helping the hero. Robin, this is one riddle I can't solve on my own. We need to get e athletes to solve this riddle for me. <laughs> oh my god! Imagine or the mystery gang, because the only real crossover is Batman and Scooby Doo. I try to solve this on my own. It'll damn. take a fortnight. <laughs> damn it. Fuck you. That, that, was, really, 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 that so, was pretty good. Um, <laughs> you know what, Marco? You brought up you brought up the Scooby Doo Batman. I was obsessed with that when I was a kid, those episodes. Oh yeah. Scooby Doo movies. I loved that so so much. The but, the, the new comic's been good. Oh. Scooby Doo Batman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like on issue like four or five or something. Oh. Wow. It was a mystery to Sean. I'm a I'm a mark for Scooby Doo. I'm a Marco for Scooby Doo. There, there it is. is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Jesus Christ. Here? We've been doing this for a long time, eh, gents? <laughs> or should I say a hey, old chums? No. <laughs> no. You shouldn't. No. But but I think everything that we just talked about is you know it's all cool, but the real the real announcement is is the webtoon. We already talked about DC's you know webtoon collaboration. What is incredible is the fact that we already have uh, it's already out. The mm-hmm. the Batman Wayne Family Adventures is out, and there's like what six six issues of it already. Yeah, if you get the if you get the webtoon app, or if you have it, there are six six issues of it out already didn't it like just drop like i feel like i got a notification yeah. for it like this week mm-hmm. it my, dropped thursday cool my brain just thursday. broke did you say batman and the wayne brothers adventure no wayne <laughs> wayne <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> where's that crossover <laughs> that's the crossover we were waiting for batman that the crossover wayne. almost happened because <laughs> uh oh yeah he was almost Marlon robin wayne was supposed to be Robin in Batman Forever. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. It, in what would have been Tim Burton's yeah, yeah. Uh, third Batman movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. What a world. 
I know it's amazing, right? It's the worst fucking timeline. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna say that. Never mind. <laughs> oh, oh, I wasn't gonna <laughs> oh, I say it. Damn it. Say I'll it. Say if it's it. bad, I'll say, I'll if it's say bad it. Marco can edit it out. Come on. Uh, is your Texas about to come out? No. No, <laughs> not this time. <laughs> if uh if we'd gotten uh the way ins Robin, nine eleven might not have happened. Let's go, fuck! Holy Wait, how shit. does that prevent that? <laughs> it's like uh, it's that meme, right? Where it's like it's a picture of like a utopian futuristic society. It's yeah. like if we had only yeah. gotten oh, the third Batman okay. movie. I'm not touching this with a thousand yard stick. <laughs> ah, please. <laughs> um. Yeah, if you feel if you feel if you still feel bad about it, Mark can edit it out. But I think that's funny. That's funny. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> Batman Wayne Jesus Christ. Family Adventures has already, it started on Thursday, 421,000 subscribers. Yo. Wow. Yeah. Is it? That's that's called a fucking market. Is that a, do you pay to subscribe to it? No, no, no. no. You just no. subscribe so that you get notifications and you can follow it. Okay. Yeah. So, how does Webtoons make money? Are there ads? If you if you want the episode early, you pay in coins, okay. which is like the, the platform currency. Cool, makes sense. That so that's absolutely nuts. It's it's actually ridiculous how many people have subscribed for uh for this for this uh for this series. For context, I'm trying to I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the numbers that Batman does on a week to week. I saw it on Twitter. Um, and I think someone said that the most recent issue of Batman that they had data for had sold like, I want to say it was like 90,000 copies. That sounds right. Mm. Yeah. Like yeah. 90 to 100,000 sounds right. Yeah. It might have, it might have even been 100,000. Let's give it all the benefit in the world and say it was 100,000. Let's even say it was 150,000. Okay. Forget the money. Just the amount of people that have read the comic, okay, that purchased it. 421,000 subscribers. That is more than that. I mean, that's triple. If you say it's 100,000, that's quadruple the exposure. Is that for Webtoons, though? Does that even crack the top five? No. But for Batman. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, it's. I guess to Kale's point, right? It speaks to the fact that like the potential of a webtoon series is is even higher than that, right? Like yeah. this isn't an outlier for webtoons, um, but it's still huge for for DC and for Batman to uh, be in this space and have have the the community that's there respond to it in a they're positive fucking, way. They're fucking blessed, and they better fucking remember it. <laughs> for context the yeah. uh sorry with just within the romance section the top book uh the top series right now I, i'm not exactly sure how they rank that i think by other quality but uh or like ranking it's 5.2 million people subscribed incredible that's huge just just under the romance section yeah so wow. i mean like <clears throat> with that context right obviously this isn't uh one of the biggest <laughs> books on the platform right now but um yeah, I mean, the fact that it's got half a million people in three days, pretty good. That's, I mean, yeah, that's phenomenal. 
Um, and by and large, the response to this has been huge in terms of people enjoying it. A lot of people saying this is what they've always been waiting for. Um, they wanted to see these, these characters in a new light. It's a fun book. It's, you know, it's a very, um, you know, it's a light series. There's no like villain or whatever, you know, it's very small scale, like slice of life, I guess, uh, it's fair to say. This week, um, Batman does the laundry. I mean, yeah, the third issue is uh, Babs and Commissioner Gordon getting lunch. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. Also, um, excuse yeah. me, Phil, it would be his bat laundry. My bat laundry. There you oh go. no, <laughs> my my whites have turned black. My house I wash is black. My bundies. My bundy. <laughs> for for all the subscribers though, um, the first episode only has seventy four thousand views. That's but you you say only but that's since Thursday. That's true. Yeah, in three days, that's still pretty high. And even still, that's twenty thousand less than the most recent DC issue of Batman that came out. Like that ain't nothing. Yeah. Now I will say, what is the way that this translates into money for DC? Because like this is cool and everything, but. Me personally, I think I would rather sell a hundred thousand copies at five dollars an issue than have four hundred thousand subscribers and make zero dollars. I, I think, I think on its face, yes. Like I, 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 I get what you're saying, but I do think that this is kind of a similar play to what we've seen from you know to pull some examples from other industries, right? Like. With what you know, we were talking about HBO Max earlier, right? HBO Max saw, I think, an increase of like somewhere in the neighborhood of like thirty million users or something like that. Like when they made that initial announcement, right? Um, you look at something like Xbox Game Pass, right, which is something that Microsoft is is taking a hit on now with the promise that it will be the future, right? Yeah. And I think yep. that's what this is. It's that, yeah, like we would definitely rather sell you this comic um, for X amount of dollars or whatever. But I would imagine that, you know, Webtoons probably does some kind of payout based on traffic and like, you know, utilization, of like how, how much people are actually reading your book and it's keeping them on the platform in probably a somewhat similar breakdown to like something like YouTube or something like that, right? Um, so I think if this series continues and it finds an audience and it maintains popularity, they probably will see a financial return on it, whether or not it's as good as selling their actual books, you know, is, is kind of neither here nor there. But I would imagine it's, it's with that, that expectation that, well, if we can, you know, lay roots on this platform and engender ourselves to these readers who these are the kinds of comics they read and they don't read traditional comic books or, or maybe they've never tried traditional comic books um but they do read webtoons religiously maybe that's a gateway drug for them you know um that's that's how most people get into comics right like you find whatever that entry point is for you and then you keep you keep digging um so i could definitely see it being a it's a long play you know it's they're making this investment now with the hope that you know the the reader that's coming up on webtoons and learning to love this this you know comics through this format um, will associate Batman with comics in the way that they associate this romance novel or maybe Demon Slayer or or something like that. 
right? That has like a little bit more, um, I don't want to say like mainstream popular, but like accessibility. Yeah. Marco, yeah. can you restate how they make money on this platform? So I actually just pulled it up. Um, so the, uh, the creators get some sort of payout based off of the amount of people that get early access to each of these issues. So issue six Got is it. out, but in order to get it, you need to pay five coins okay. for each subsequent issue. One, I think it's, and I just clicked on it. It was a uh, one ninety nine. Uh, I lied. Ten coins is USD ninety nine cents. So, you pay a dollar, you get ten coins. You get to read effectively two issues of something. Wow! If you want it early, and if you want all six of these early, you know it's the equivalent of a dollar fifty. And um, uh, that's how wait. So you're saying it. it would be a buck fifty to read the whole series early? Right now, if you were to read that's a good the deal. remaining six issues. I mean, the remaining three issues, it would be, yeah, you would uh, you would pay a dollar fifty for that, and it's not bad. So that gets paid out to the creators. Person that gets paid out to webtoons. To your point, Sean, I don't know that this that payout directly translates back to DC. Uh, I, I'm very much more in line with what uh, Pete's saying here, just as it being a long play as they bring in maybe their own creators, or maybe it becomes like a DC publishing house situation under um mm. under webtoons that's how they start to make that revenue but for them the priority is how do i how do i hook people into this is a comic i will now create put into my rotation of reading less so you know the the immediate uh short-term gains of some of, of people subscribing or people paying out to get the rest of this series is how do I make it so that way people will come back for the next thing that I put out. Like if I put out Aquaman, how do I ensure that people come out for that? Or Superman, how do I make sure people come out for that and down the line, you know, a Swamp Thing series or something? I'm I'm also... Of course, it always comes <laughs> back to Swamp Thing. Um, I'm also wondering like what the cost differential is in terms of producing these series like i would imagine it costs a lot less to make six issues of this than six issues of batman right not only because yeah. it's shorter so there's just like literally less work to do but like there's no overhead right like you don't have to print them you don't have to ship them to shops it's just you put it up on the on the platform right so it's like whatever the cost is to make the actual script and art is probably yeah, editorial, all that stuff, right? Like, you know, you remove a lot of the process from from putting it out. Yeah. Your threshold I, for return is lower. It's quite a bit lower, you would imagine. If I recall correctly, and I could be wrong, I feel like DC's approach here was pre-hands-off. Like, they had conversations with the creators to say, like, listen, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do, this is what Batman can be, can't be. Um, and then that's it. I don't think that they, I don't even know that they're, I don't know. I haven't seen anything about like if they're paying these creators, I think it's like they're working with webtoon creators to put these out and then the creators like reap whatever benefits come from that. Yeah. That's how, that's how you get paid out off the coins. Mm. So I'm assuming that's what that is now. That's why I, I don't, I don't know that there is a negotiation that is interesting. Two creators, two webtoons, and two DC. My my thought would be, and again, this is totally, I'm shooting from the hip, right? Um, I, I would assume that DC would produce these like they produce any other book, where they would give them a, a, a rate, and now we own it, 
and then DC takes whatever profit it makes on Webtoon. That's that's what I would think would make more sense. Um, I, but I, I don't know enough about the platform. That's just kind of what my I, gut thought was. I clicked into the creators. Uh, so CRC Payne is the writer, um, and uh, apparently they're just a freelance writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and this is her first web comic series um and then the other the artist starbite aka red bloom has been doing this for the past decade but also independent and freelancer so effectively they're probably hiring them hey create this story you get paid out based off of the the popularity of the ip yeah i, I'm, I, I would imagine that there's like a agree, an agreed upon page rate or something like that yeah. Based on the volume of work. Because um, you would imagine, right, that if the, if this was super successful and it, it started printing money, DC wants to control that, not have it go to the creator. Mm. Well, I, don't know. Uh, I read it and mm. I want to share my thoughts about it before we hey. essentially dive into the main topic. And then, of course, anyone can share their thoughts as well about it. Um, I liked it. Mm. I liked All right. It. Kind of content wise, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was cute. You know, it was fun. Uh, and I think that I think that things like this should exist in in, in terms of the content. I think that um, there's no reason why you can't let these characters have fun uh, in, in a consistent way. Like Spider Man loves Mary Jane, right? As like a as an idea of what a slice of life or romance comic can be, featuring a superhero. I think that. You can do that with most of these characters. I think, yeah, like, you know, there's no reason why we can't have a book like this that is published by DC and put out in physical every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you mm-hmm. could do it with Superman. I think you can do it with, you know, a lot of these characters. And I think that people want that. Yeah. And it's weird to me with the success of a Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane that that logic hasn't been applied more for superhero comics. Um, and you talk about that manga and how they have their system where they have all different kinds of stories. When you have characters that are so malleable, like why is it that you can do, you know, Batman versus like Dracula, right? Or Batman with Scooby-Doo, but you can't do the Wayne family having a fun cookout, you know? In terms of the format, that I wasn't that I didn't like at all. What did yeah. you read it on your phone or something bigger? I read it on my computer. Oh, okay. 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 It, I think it, I think it takes so much away from the, from what comics are. I feel like it neuters the format because you can't, <laughs> you, I'm not, I, I shouldn't say this, not you can't do, but there are a lot of things that are tougher to do or frankly impossible to do this way. I think if you want to see something special with the format, someone actually like using it properly, using it to do different things, that was done in the X-Men Unlimited with uh, Shalvi and Hickman. They did some cool things that you kind of can't do in a traditional comic. Did you check that but out I, as well? I read quite a bit of it. Oh. I didn't read the whole thing. But but this one, um, I, I actually really was like sad about it. I was like, mm. man, this doesn't, this isn't. I don't want to say this isn't comics. Comics can be a lot of things, but uh, I don't know. Just not the experience I, you're looking for. No, not at all. And it's sad to me that 
so many people will read this and they will not get what we get, you know, when we read comics. Yeah, the format really takes away from being able to jump into the next panel, the next thing. Yeah. Um, you know, comics, so much of the experience of comics is taking in the whole page and taking it in at a certain rate and to a degree where the artist takes you on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is panel, you know, panel, panel, panel. Yeah. It's, it's one thing, you know, it's, I would, I would even put it more akin to like a, you know, a one panel newspaper strip. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Cause that's, that's kind of how I've always felt about web comics. Um, I don't really feel like there's analogous to, to traditional American comic books. Um, cause I think it is just kind of an inherently different experience. Well, I think, I, I think there's a difference between web comics and web tunes. Okay. Like this is a web tune. Sure. Yeah. Web, right. Web comics are more traditional in like the, the, way the page they, format. format. And, yeah. 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 I guess I guess the reason I say that is because there are a number of web comics um, that like I follow on Instagram, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And they'll present things in that format. Like I know, I know, I think you read this as well. Uh, Kill uh, Little Char and the Gang uh, yes. by Nekoama. Tremendous, um, great! It's a really cute web comic. It's about uh, a Charmander, a Bulbasaur, and a Squirtle who are like best buds growing up. Um, it's like a very like coming of age kind of comic, um, and. Uh, that is presented in that format, right? It's each slide on Instagram um, is is one panel of the book, usually, mm-hmm. um, with rare exception. And um, yeah, and I, I guess I've just kind of gotten used to that as a different flavor, you know, of of like it is it is a little bit like you don't read it the same way, you know, and like it reminds me more of um, of reading like Calvin and Hobbes or something like That's that, which is. Uh, a, a strip that I love, and it was like one of the yeah. earliest comics that I really got into. Um, but it is it is so inherently different, you know. Like it's it's not, uh, it's not the same kind of experience for sure. Even, oh, sorry, sorry. Even even still, though the 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 comic Pete is referencing again reads you know similar to Calvin and Hobbes, which is you know left to right you swipe and get to the next panel yeah in a, in a newspaper strip fashion mm-hmm. this is a scroll vertical the one panel takes up the whole thing and you know when i said newspaper strip i'm thinking something like something like family circus mm-hmm. right like you know and I, I don't mean that you know in a bad way necessarily just that it doesn't it doesn't feel like the experience the comics experience i should say I think I think this is a poor example of the 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 way to use the format effectively. Um, mm. The the first thing that I thought of, so uh, friend of the show Ryan Katie came out with the webtoon. I think in the last year or so with Morgan Beam called Wolfsbane. Um, mm-hmm. Sean, I would I would challenge you to read that because it makes much better use of the what the Wayne family adventures used in terms of negative space where it was just panel then white then panel then white where these things bleed out lettering spills down the pages blood comes down the page it 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 becomes a much more effective communicator of moments beats yeah. and tension and i think that this is a poor showing of that it 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 
helps to translate that sequential nature that you mentioned of you know you, things leading to the next pan like the next panel where mm. this leads all into the next moment that you're scrolling up to uh just quickly to add on to that i i when we were at the other place i did a um a review of a, a web comic called uh the ocean is i can't remember the ocean something by a guy by a guy um uh called his screen name was sutu eats flies and his um his experience was very uh similar to what, how marco is describing it gives you a uh a caption or a line or something to sort of follow to take you into the next moment um and it's just in- incredibly well done and that felt like a a, a good translation well I'm, I'm i'm not saying that i'm closed off yeah um but I am saying that I have a hard time with the idea that any series could provide an experience that's as, um, and maybe this is just because it's what I'm used to, but that's as overall engrossing and uh, spellbinding as what comics can do, uh, traditional comics. I just don't think that the Webtoon concept um because of the format is capable of, 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 of matching that. Uh, but, uh, but obviously there's a ton of people who like this. I just don't know for the sake of DC. And this is like getting into our main topic that I don't know how people who don't read traditional comics and read webtoons will receive a, a traditional comic. Cause it's very different. Let me ask you this, Sean. Um, you said you don't, you're, you don't feel like you're closed off to it yet but i but i know obviously like you, uh, you you came away with this with some mixed mixed feelings yeah where are you at in terms of like do, are you planning on continuing to follow that series and like try to give it more of a shot are you interested in reading something like wolf's bane that like marco feels like makes better use of the format like do, are you at a point where you feel like um you want to keep experimenting with this delivery system or do you are you feeling like kind of cooled on it well i think i think it's important for me given what we do to be up on this you know now that dc has entered the fray and marvel has entered the fray in the webtoon format you know i have to i have to see this so i will continue to read this um, and I will read whatever the new, like, as long as it's free, because I, I won't spend money on a digital comic if I absolutely don't have to. Um, I only ever do it if it's a book we got to read for the show. But other than that, I, if, it, if it's going to cost me money, I'm not buying it. Because um, I'm, I again, I enjoyed the content, but I was a little bit bummed out after I read it because I'm like, damn, this is just not, this isn't comics. Do you, do you think you might try me- reading it on a different display? Like, no, no, because uh, mm, that I think is also important because that's something native to the floor. I hate uh, reading comicsology comics on a computer. Yeah, but I, I think it's fine on my tablet. I I read it on on my tablet and it was the same. It was exactly how uh, Sean described it. it wasn't great. It's just it's just a, and again, it could just be a traditional thing that, you know, I'm just old or whatever, but I need the, the the what I love about comics is what comics do sequentially, and this did not provide that experience. And 
you know, I, it's hard for me to see how from like in a, in a week to week or a monthly basis, how you could craft stories that allow that sequential storytelling in this format. It, you know, not being able to see the full page, not being able to take in, you know, the, the totality of it, not being able to have splash double, you know, double page splashes. So many things are missing from this that it doesn't feel right to me. And I don't think that there's anything that could change that, but I'm not, again, I'm not closed off. So I'm interested to see how you feel about it. The long, like, cause I don't necessarily think that like, you're going to change your tune in a major way. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering how you'll feel. <laughs> tune. Yeah. Well, oh, I get it. Um, that's not what I was laughing at. Oh, what were you laughing at? No, you're a pretty one note guy. Da, 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 done. Oh, wow. uh, my, <laughs> the, the point I'm trying to drive to is I wonder how you'll feel about it weeks, months removed from now when you've um, experienced more stuff on the platform. And I'm wondering if maybe you'll find something that um, that does pique your interest in that way a little bit more. Or even if they expand this story, you know, to do more more challenging stuff that that works as a better example for the for the format sure. I, I didn't particularly feel like this did anything interesting it really right. didn't. yeah well let's 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 really dive into the main topic because what i want to do is compare marvel's efforts to dc's and talk about what their strategies are what they need to do to succeed and in their first week who we think won so that's what we're going to talk about in our main topic again both Marvel and DC made their big play this week. And I think it's definitely the ultimate winner is the fans, right? More content, um, a different way to engage with these characters that you know and love, or maybe you're new to. I think wherever you're coming at all this from, uh, it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool that it's out there. And there's no reason, I don't think, to um, denigrate either one for making the effort. That's not what we're here to do. We're just here to talk about which approach we think is better for the company, better for the industry, and which one we like more, pretty much. Um, so, Pete, you, I want to start with your question from earlier. You asked a really great, great question. Reiterate that. So, uh, while we were talking about Marvel's release and how there are all these kinds of features that are seemingly missing in this relaunch. Uh, I, I laid out the question of, do we think that Marvel's plans were at all moved up based on what DC is doing and how long was Marvel working on this before they knew uh, that DC was coming to webtoons? Anyone hot on that? I think because we have so much content out already that, were the plans moved up? I don't think so. Was the announcement potentially? Yes, but only because Sean also made an earlier point that once a new movie comes out, the comics take like a, a week break and then they start dropping stuff. And I think that makes sense if we're looking at it from, okay, the buzz is for the movie and then for the Marvel brand. And if so, that was good timing on their end. Mm. I think, I kind of think that plans started getting started moving around when um, one of the the senior editors at DC moved over to Tapas, which is another a competitor to Webtoons, like similar in the in 
the webtoon space or webcomic space. And I think, I feel like that was shocking news for the industry, but we're not seeing the ramifications of that until now where people are like, oh, if what the webtoons industry is looking to expand into comics is, how do we counter that? And I think that it makes sense that both companies have taken the foray now, but I think it's in response to earlier earlier news in the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I think that that's probably true. <clears throat> it's I, I guess like when I had that thought, it was more like, was this something they thought that they were going to do later this year, right? Or, or early okay. next year. And like DC making an aggressive move, getting headlines, getting attention for something they thought they might have been the first to. Um, I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if that was a factor at all. So Can you imagine though, like DC's like, yeah, we got you know the Wayne family adventures, and Marvel's like, oh, word, that's cute, like nice. <laughs> we have uh, eighteen series that are all out, and they have six issues out already. What's up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and that's why I'm I'm hot uh, out the gate saying that I think Marvel won. I think that. The webtoon that DC put out has received a lot of praise because of the fact that it's free and it's unique. Uh, it's a different style of storytelling pretty much for all those characters. We don't see them in that way often. But if you're talking about the availability of the books in terms of the amount of them, if you're talking about creative teams, like no, nothing against the, the creative team behind uh, the Wayne family adventure one, but that was not a creative team that comic book fans are aware of. Those are not creators we know. Um, whereas Marvel said, hey, we got Hickman and Shalvey on X-Men, and you can only read it one way. I thought about getting a subscription to Marvel Unlimited when I saw that. Um, that's, you know, and that's me talking, yeah, right? right? That's a pretty big deal. Um, yeah. <laughs> So the idea that you don't just have that, but you have all these different books, new books with characters that you want to see, and then some that are wacky. Like, It's Jeff could low-key be a hit. It's weird. It's offbeat. They can do whatever they want. Kale, you're you're uh, muted, buddy. You didn't want to hear that. Oh. What did you say? <laughs> oh, low-key. <laughs> <laughs> well, he should be there, too. Uh, Give it time. And then with the Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane re-release and then all the primers, I think that Marvel did exactly what they had to do to step into this space by making it uh, uh, accessible for all types of audiences. Mm -hmm. But they're also getting paid for it. Mm. That's key. So I... I don't think you're wrong in that it was strategic in that the in the short term they're getting paid and that they're keeping their they're, they're keeping their revenue streams active and I think that that's a good strategy but I would disagree in that they won based on content alone because they're catering to the 100,000 people that are subscribed or that pick up Batman on a monthly basis. And a portion of those readers aren't going to be digital specific. And so they're catering to a market that is not activated within that medium and mm. is, and that would be interested, but because it's 
that uh, that digital platform are not going to commit. And I think what the what the webtoon war would be is how do you expand your base? If you're catering to the base that you already have built in, you're not finding new people to come to consume your books. You're finding the same people to buy more of your books. And I I think what DC is doing at the very least, I, I think, you know, you're, you're right that it's not, they're not getting paid and I don't imagine they're getting paid. And I think that's probably something that they need to work to address. But I think what they're doing is they're catering to the 400,000 people that have subscribed so that in the hopes that they can have that translated back to uh, some sort of comic book sale uh, instead of the people that they already know are going to get, they're going to get a comic book sale from. And I think that's in my mind, more important to expand the brand into a native platform made for the content that they're going to create than it is to cater to the fan based on creators in a format that they're unfamiliar with in a medium that they're unfamiliar with. Um, And in an app, they just broke to include all this stuff. That looks okay, but sure. Yeah. (laughs) I I guess to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Phil. You don't see Marvel catering to Phase Claw Nation like DC's doing. (laughs) The Phase Claw Nation. I I laughed because I agreed with his point, but then I realized that wasn't their name. (laughs) And the fact that I didn't know is funnier. (laughs) You may end up being right in the long term, Marco, but we're talking about the initial opening salvo. I, I'm going to agree with Marco and and build on, on his point a little bit because I think I think that the the points that Sean made about like volume of content, like name recognition of creators, like you know variety of offerings, I think those are all are all salient points. Um, but I do think I'd still give the win to DC because I think that what they are doing is more forward thinking. Like I think trying to, um, capitalize and capture some of the webtoons audience is a bolder and like I think it's a bolder move because I think the idea of Marvel wanting to make a play for this space and tying it into an app that already exists and a paywall um, I think it does it does kind of speak to that that uh, problem that Marco identified of like are you actually courting a new audience with this? Like how many of the, you know, the web comic webtoons type reader is going to go and spend $8 a month or, you know, $69 for the year or whatever um, for Marvel Unlimited when they could be reading webtoons for free or paying for a, the series that they want to pay for piecemeal, you know? Um, cause that's what they're used to. That's already the, that's already the app where they read comics and maybe they don't give a shit about like, you know, a new Shang-Chi story or, or about, you know, Gwenpool's pet shark dog, um, enough to go spend $8, uh, whereas they might've checked that out on webtoons for free and been, become a Marvel fan. 
Um, cause you know, I think just anecdotally, right? Like look at, look at the experience that Sean had with this, right? Marvel put out this, a lot of this really compelling content. Uh, one of which with, you know, the names of two creators that, that we really like. And you're like, I almost did it. I almost made that. And like, that's big that they almost got you to make that spend. But DC got you to download the app and read the comic. I didn't download the app. Oh, right. Okay. Right. right. You read it on your, on your, uh, your computer. Fair play. Um, but even so, right? Like you went out of your way to break your reading habits and check this out because it was free. And you no. said, "I no, 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 no. I can't let you do that." Okay, go ahead. I only did it because we do this podcast, right? Because I like to be prepared. I would never have read it if it wasn't for this, right? But you also said that you wouldn't read, you wouldn't pay for anything digital. No, right? So if you had had to pay for that Batman story, would you have read it? No, but if I, if I didn't do this show, I wouldn't have read it. But but either way, you're there. You're checking I'm it out. There, I I read it because it's free. And like DC doesn't, DC's not improved by the fact that I made that decision because they didn't make any money off today. No, never, never. I will never spend a dollar. Like there's a non-zero chance that I will ever do that. No, if you but, know me, you know that that's absolutely yeah, true. yeah. And I'm not saying you will, but think of it this way. You read that comic and we talked about it and gave it air today that we didn't give to the Marvel books. What if somebody else goes and checks it out now because we talked about it and makes that? That's sense? a different argument. It's not. So I yes, would. It is. You try to say I, it was me no, and I, I'm telling I'm, you I didn't. No, but I was using you as the example because you actually checked out example. one of those books because it was free, though. <laughs> you had access to it. To that point, though, you got the full experience. With yes. Marvel, you didn't. Because yes. you wouldn't subscribe. And you won't. Right. You will never read any of those stories. No. But you know the difference here is we're talking about Marvel and DC's ability of grabbing a new audience. And the thing I see when we compare these two things is the same thing we've really been seeing from Marvel and DC for the greater part of 10 years. Yeah. And that's the fact that Marvel has this great cultural cachet with a wide array of characters and IPs and Batman is the only thing that DC once again falls back on. Um, so even though uh, the loops that you're being forced to jump through for Marvel, I think there's more willingness from a person who doesn't really care about comic books, who doesn't care about Jonathan Hickman, just because at least it is accessible, even though the app is broken. Whereas... Again, all we're doing with DC is Batman, Batman, Batman. But to, but to in, that, the in, come on, sorry. both of you hit me. No, Let's no, go. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> my, my, mine's quick. It's just okay. but, but to that, you have to subscribe nine ninety nine to Marvel to get that accessibility. Whereas for webtoons, you you don't. Yeah, but the the, the one difference here is again is quantity. You know. Like Marvel's offering just a wide array of options. Where with this, I mean, I don't know. Uh, how much like, of an impact does this webtoon truly make? Does this open the door to other people wanting like, to the same people going into DC? I really don't think it does. I mean, there have been web comics about DC comic book characters for the last 15 years. How effective that is at actually attracting people to buy a DC comic book? I don't know. That's difficult to quantify. God, I love uh, you, Phil. But with oh, this, go ahead. But with this, Marvel Unlimited, this is quantifiable because V 
these are comic books. This is the kind of thing that will bring people to a comic book store, or if not, at least buy more digital comics. And I got to jump in, by the way, if you, which it, you can get a free subscription. So technically I might even do that free subscript or free trial. Rather, trial, yeah, I might sorry. do the free trial to read all this shit, but to, to the point that Phil is making, if you want to continue to read about the X-Men, you are on an app that has every X-Men comic book. This if you want to read more Batman, there is no native way for you to do that through Webtoon. Yeah, what are you going to do if you want to read more DC comics? I mean, it's not as accessible at that point. Yeah, but I don't know. I I, I have a hard time swallowing that argument because I feel like... Swallow it! Because I think the idea that somebody who is maybe casually interested in Marvel is going to go spend $8 to get in on a platform that they've never tried, they have no reason to try, because... Like they may like how do they even hear about these books if they don't read Marvel comics? Like the Batman thing is if I'm on Webtoons already, that's something that is gonna get a push and that is gonna come across my vision. And like to your point about, you know, what does it mean for them right now? Like this week, nothing. But like if they continue to add series, if this series continues to get good attention, like I don't I don't think it's crazy or a stretch to say that this uh, that this series or other webtoon series that come from DC could be gateways uh, for interest in characters, right? Like in the way that we talked about the Batman Fortnite comic when it when it came out, right? Of like that could be an inroad for people that were never going to buy a comic to go buy a comic because they want the Fortnite skin and maybe they read the comic, you know. And I think I I think you can absolutely make the same argument of you know who's to say that there isn't you know uh, a teenage reader right now who is a webtoons reader who doesn't have uh, income right but is maybe interested in Batman or sees the Batman when it comes out next year and then is interested in Batman or whatever and that this yeah. is a thing that keeps them on the hook and that like yeah maybe maybe it doesn't directly translate to them going out and buying you know, Batman uh, month to month in, in a week or a month or whatever, but it might be the thing that gets them into Batman as a character and as an IP. And for DC, which is a, you know, a, a company that deals in multimedia, that's just as valuable. Listen, mm. we're, 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 we're talking about the same kind of thing that's been going on for 30 years, which is, this is just another inroad in a, in a way that video games, TV shows and movies all are to varying degrees. The difference here between what's going on with, with DC and Marvel is that Marvel's inroad is a direct comic book inroad. How impactful that is, I don't know, but we're talking about what's going to attract more readers. I mean, again, what DC is doing, it's hard to quantify that because them going to see the Batman movie next year, as you laid out, that's a bigger audience. Does that lead to people reading Batman comics? I don't know. I'm sure there's a, you know, a percentage really. of that that's going to be retainable. But again, the difference here is one's actually comic books. And one of them inherently generates value that Marvel can always point to. Whereas with DC, it's like, eh, maybe we'll see. We don't know. And again, you can read these books with your free trial so in that sense it's not different now once that expires that's up to you do you still want to read them are you into it maybe you are maybe you're not but if you read this awesome jonathan hickman declan shalvey x-men book and you say wow i want more where's more more's on the app and, and what 
that's a big win in my eyes. And, and the last if thing people I buy, say, one thing I'll last. They don't last, have to. It's free. Free trial. Yeah, but that's one free trial. That I, I'll make the exact same argument that you just made then, right? How does that add value to Marvel if I take them up on a free trial for Marvel Unlimited, read it, and I was like, that was cool, but I'm, I don't care. Well, you, the, you, thing you about, care. The, the thing about... But if you do care, you pay. You can make the, the same argument about Webtoons. It's 50 cents. So? What do you mean? So, so the number one romance comic on Webtoons has five million <laughs> subscribers. So say that they get to a point where this Batman book is popular enough that it has a million subscribers and uh-huh. e- and uh, uh, 50% of those people give them, fi- you know what I mean? Like it adds up if it, if it becomes popular, if it becomes a thing. It, it we could- don't even know DC's take. We just, as we just talked about the fact that we have no idea how much money DC could even make on this if there was money to be made so you can't compare them from a financial standpoint i think that that that's not i don't every other argument's reasonable that's not reasonable i don't think i don't think it's fair to say that it's that they're never going to make money on webtoons because i didn't say that i said we don't know well yeah but i'm just saying i think that like if we're going to make the argument that they can potentially make money because they put these digital comics on marvel unlimited i you could make the argument that nobody's going to subscribe for that. And they're subscribing for the library that already exists. So what is actually the value of these, these books? You're well, the difference, the, man. The difference, I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm the, making, I'm just making a point. The difference here is that you're, you know, actually subscribing to Marvel Unlimited at that point, even if it is for just the library and that's a quantifiable income, regardless, 50 cents a month or whatever. It, it's an un, knowable variable at this point because we don't know how much you know we we could speculate idly about any myriad of things here um the the, the last point i want to make on this at the very least is ah fuck i lost it because you guys kept going (laughs) (laughs) you were right there buddy you were right there i was like what was i gonna say i had a last point oh i know so with regard to actually growing an audience you know Everyone has a different inroad, right? I mean, for me, growing up, it was like watching these cartoons on Fox or on WB. That was my inroad. We have had 20 plus years of movies. I'm sure any number of people have come in and actually read comics. How sustainable of a model that is to get people to stay, I don't know. I think the number of people that transition from reading webtoon comics to actual like traditional comics, I think that, and this is speculative, I think that's rather myopic. Whereas, but at the very least, if someone's going to go to Marvel Unlimited, they are going for comic books. And the thing about subscription services is they count on you not to cancel the subscription by forgetting about it. Obviously, that's, you know, that's the gym membership format of things. You go in, you get in there for that free month trial. Well, you're probably going to stay a little longer than that. And guess what? That's money that Marvel had that they didn't have before. I haven't watched anything on Netflix in like five months. And you're still paying for it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I even have the DVD subscription. Do you? Wow. Really? Oh, my God. I sure do. That's insane. I, I didn't sure even know do. they still did that. Oh, yeah. It's really expensive, too. It sucks. <laughs> um, let me throw out this quick question. So, obviously... Kale, Pete, and Marco all feel DC one. Kale, you, you you haven't really spoken too much. Is that where you're at? Yeah. Okay. So, do you guys think that if DC had done this through the DC Universe app, 
that that would have been less effective, as effective, or more effective. Less effective. And I think if they had done that, I would have said Marvel won. Yeah, I think less effective because... The the fact that that app existed means Marvel won. (laughs) 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 I I think less effective (laughs) because I, I read... A certain series day and date like the the milestone stuff and i don't have to pay for that it's included in my subscription yeah um and anything that i read beyond that minimizes the value like, like you still get the uh dc still gets the monthly subscription amount but from a per book basis the amount that i end up reading and that would translate if these were individual sales continues to diminish. The more I read, the more that nine nine ninety nine, whatever the monthly amount is, decreases per book. And I think that that's the one thing that both of the apps have to consider. And if if people are content with getting the content and we keep this description, cool, that's fine. You ha- you have that consistent revenue stream versus the me needing to buy. Swamp Thing separately because I want to read it the day that it drops versus it being on the app. And I, I, both apps have that exclusion. DC's three months. Uh, Marvel, I believe, is six months. Yes. Um, and so regardless, I, I, as a digital reader, have to go to another app to consume the comics anyway. And I don't know how many people also do that. Uh, I'm going to assume that it's a larger majority than just having the app and reading it to catch up. And anecdotally, a few people on in, on the Discord do that. They'll buy it on Comixology, the end date, and then they'll catch up on series that maybe they didn't feel were they were too hot on and use the app to catch up. Uh, if that's the case, I think that's a similar format to the webcomic piece here to Webtoons, where... I think you can get drawn in and if you have to go to another platform to read these kinds of comics that's built into the that's built into the the like the pipeline for you getting the content. Um, I don't know how many people it's going to attract necessarily, but I think based on volume there's a better chance of that. And I think the point that you know you get the consistent revenue stream based on the subscription for Marvel for DCU it, it's the same point. Uh, that the that the only thing is that the per the cost per issue diminishes the more people read and it doesn't account for people who want to keep up to date with certain things. If you're just coming for um, the the infinite comics either on the the unlimited platform or if it would have been on DCU, I think that that would have been a a poor play because you're still catering to an audience that on Batman's end. 100,000 sales worth, right? You're only going to get a small percentage of that actually reading it on top of the fact that there's a small percentage that has the app itself. I don't know that it's the draw for either company. Sean, you want to know why Marvel won? Why? Because we're selling that Spider-Man NFT, and man, that makes me want to read comics. (laughs) Oh, man. Where's my John Leguizamo Joker? I mean, what was it? Riddler. How did you just say his last name? (laughs) Yeah. One more time. Leguizamo? Leguizamo? 
Leguismo. Leguismo. You want to you wanna make fun of him a little harder, Mr. Continuity? Ooh. Right. It's called conti- continuity. Just continuity. bring something up from like four years ago, whatever. That's I fine. think Kale's <laughs> just mad about a gimmick infringement because he's the one that mispronounces names, not Marco. Wait, Leguismo is his name. Leguizamo, but I mean, I guess. Yeah, in like... <sighs> It's <laughs> in my language. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's, pro- it's probable he changed his last name for Hollywood. I don't know. Is it really? I don't know, man. I'm, a lot of people do it. Listen, assumptions are not knowledge. Oh, damn! I was waiting. For <laughs> I've been waiting to to like in, in interject with that for the longest. Uh, Phil said speculation. I was like, uh, I was waiting for him to say assumption. In bed. <laughs> well. Ultimately, we leave the question of who won the day to you, the listener. Do you feel that Marvel's approach with Marvel Unlimited and Infinite Comics is the uh, the the better strategy for now? Or do you feel like DC planting its roots within the Webtoon community is uh, more likely to pay dividends for them and maybe for the industry going forward? There are plenty of ways for you guys to sound off. Write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Make sure you guys are following us, leaving us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe for free, like the video, share it with your friends, and drop a comment. We read our comments every single week on the air. We love and appreciate you guys for those comments. Uh, Make sure you guys are listening to our reviews every single week. Wednesday, we've got our image stuff day and date. And then Thursdays, we drop our reviews from Marvel and DC books and whatever else we decide we feel like reading. If you want to suggest a book for that, write in and let us know. Listen to We Watch. We are doing We Watch What If right now every single week. So check that out. And then make sure you come here for our book club. The last Tuesday of the month, we're going to be talking about Rick Remender and Greg Ticini's Low. Great conversation. Don't think you want to miss it. I would argue it's one of the best conversations that we have had on a book club. Let's do the plugs, Pete. Thank you all for joining us here on another episode of The Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Come chat with me about uh, what, who do you, which of these models are you more excited about? I'm, I'm very interested in talking to people about digital comics and how we feel like um, that as a, an angle, you know, and a skew can evolve and grow and do some new stuff. Um, so yeah, if you're feeling hot about it, I'd love to chat with you. Uh, if you want to get some more content from me, you can head over to uh, flipscreen.games, which is the website uh, for my video game podcast. Uh, it's got links to all the places that we are. Go check it out. And then uh, you can also go check out my band, Long Friend, Time Friend. Uh, yeah, Phil's rocking our uh, Kickstarter shirt right now, which fucking kicks ass. Made by the same designer shirt. of my shirt, at uh, Ghost Bongo. Go check out Christian's work. He's rad. Um, and Ghost my man, we're good too. Ghost Bongo. Fuck, that's good. Yeah, yeah. he kicks ass. He's fucking God awesome. Damn. He's so good. Um, yeah, go check go check that out. <laughs> Wish I was cool like that. Me too. Fuck. Yeah. Ghost Bongo. Maybe well, one day, Kale. People can find out how not cool you are by following you where, Kale? At fucking Toto in Toe, T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my dumb, stupid, uncool work at kaleward.com. That's dumb, stupid, kaleward, C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. That's at fucking Toto and Toe, not That's right. Toto and Toe was taken. Jar Jar? 
Uh, you can follow me at Star Wars Universe. That's S T A R S Universe. Uh, no, Mar- Mr. Marco Yusa Inamoto. can follow him. <laughs> Mr. Marco Inamoto on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I did want to shout out Nate B. Wells. He is a co- previous collaborator of mine. We did a, a short two-page comic. He has a Kickstarter right now. His art is dope. Uh, go check it out, Heartland Blood. And you can follow him on Instagram, Nate B. Wells underscore art dope stuff and uh, he's a good person really cool guy uh other, other than that tell me why jar jar binks won both the clone wars and the uh webtoon wars um also tweet the prayer emoji at mr marco animoto i won't say why it's just marco could use all the good vibes <laughs> yeah you can i can get use right now all the support you yeah. know if you have raise your hands like you're giving energy to the spirit bomb for my boy <laughs> <laughs> uh how about you phil yeah you can follow me uh at twitter and instagram at uh cyborg bebop uh hmm what am i into right now i don't know i'm still reading that dragon ball manga uh, you watch anything recently um just shang chi it's literally the only thing i've watched recently <laughs> i'm really tired <laughs> lately <laughs> uh that's really it yeah as for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about the crazy, crazy trailers we got from the PlayStation event that happened uh, this past week. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge, huge fan of um, God of War and Knights of the Old Republic's my favorite game. So those announcements were crazy. And then, of course, we got the Wolverine and Spider-Man, which is amazing. Can't wait to play those games. Still always thinking about comics, so write in and talk to me about your favorite books right now and uh, whether you plan on getting a Marvel Unlimited subscription, or checking out the Batman Webtoons stuff. With that, we are the Comics Pals signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Thanks, Face Clan. Without your help, I couldn't have won at Rocket League. What are you doing putting those hoods on now, Face Clan? (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> wow. Fuck. <laughs> Pete, did you get that? Did it- I did. <laughs> <laughs>